Is Mr. Robot MIA because he's afraid? Afraid of what I might find when I'm done with this hack? Why did that phone call freak him out? Could he have lied about Terrell? What's his move here? Do you remember the last thing he wanted? He kept wanting to come back home, remember? There must be something here that he needs. He's been bringing it up since we left prison. Can you help? Can you look? Do you see anything? Do you know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. I'm Ryan Gemmel. And we got Jamal here today. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Thank I'm back. <laughs> Thank you for coming back, dude. Appreciate it. And today we're going to review episode 10, that's 2.8 in robot language, Hidden Process. Directed by Sam Esmail, written by Laura Adana and Randolph Leon. IMDb gave this a 9.6. And for our viewership, episode 8 was at a point seven four. Episode 9 back down to a point six five. Hmm. Still fluctuating. Mm. Yeah, I, I would like... Maybe it's still all the people just watching afterwards. I don't watch it live, so... I mean, I'm, I'm part of the problem here. Yeah, in our bonus episode that we do, we're definitely going to go over the viewership after they calculate it mm-hmm. with all of the post-episode numbers. How far behind are they on that? Like, uh, do they have last week's? They have, I think, the first couple of episodes up there. Okay. Our major questions that we're going to review this episode are, what are the clues in Elliot's apartment? Mm -hmm. So we will go on a clue searching mission. Number two, why did Robot leave Elliot at the micro center? So again, just further looking at the relationship between Elliot and Robot. Number three, are Darlene and or Cisco dead? Number four, who is after Angie on the subway? Who are those two people that confronted her? Mm-hmm. And also a couple of other questions that we have. Okay, so for origin of the title, hidden process. When you start a computer, a lot of processes will be running. Some run by default and some are started by you. As you keep installing more software, the process list gets bigger until it reaches the stage where it gets difficult to manage all of them. Now, if some spyware comes into your machine, you can't easily detect it until something bad happens. And many stealth malware are known to hide their malicious processes to obfuscate their presence in the system. You ever, uh, back in the day when you had a PC, you ever say, like, I don't know why it's just acting so slow now. Mm. Why oh, you Mac? You think you're so much better than us? No, it happens. <laughs> it happens to the Mac as well. But uh, so, like on the PC, when like a bunch of million different processes are running, you got to go into it and exit out in order for things to start speeding up. I hope that's not foreshadowing of things to come, man. Because the hidden process. I mean, I mean, it goes along with my theory all, all along <laughs> about Mister Robot. So that's what I thought it was. I didn't care about what it meant for actual computers. I'm like, this is about. Mr. Robot fucking hiding shit from Elliot. Yeah, well, we love to look at the metaphors, but I don't think that excludes the idea of another hidden process, right. a third personality, because Robot really isn't hidden anymore. Right. 
So right. is there somebody else behind the scenes? <laughs> yeah, us. Shit. But I, I mean, I don't know if I see that in actually happening in the episode. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if we're seeing someone else. Yep. Is someone else's point of view like that should be also be Elliot? To me, if that person exists, it's us. Okay. So when he's been turning to us, but we don't do anything since season one. We don't do anything from what he sees, mm-hmm. but he has admitted that we never respond to him. He doesn't seem to know a lot about us. I don't mm. even know why he trusts us. And he did go through that phase where he didn't want to tell us, us everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely agree with you that we got more clues this episode that it could be robot who's in charge of phase two and the person behind the scenes here, but I'm not totally ruling out something else happening either. Yeah. Christina, just to give everyone a heads up, Christina's got some doozies today. I'm very proud to be. So do I, am I allowed to ask? Because I really wanted to know about disassociative disorder. Like, uh, do can certain personalities hide themselves from other personalities and can other personalities reveal themselves when they choose to? Is that possible where they're like, you're split into four different personalities and one doesn't know you ex- exist? And then, oh, wow, she's pulling out like a Bible. Yeah. Right? She's, she's ready her for textbook, you. Her old textbook. Because like, I've always wanted, there's, there, I, I, I try to read on this stuff and things keep changing. Can one personality hide from another? Like, that's just nuts just trying to think about it. Yeah, and this is interesting. We actually had somebody write in. Thank you to Phil for giving us the link to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, which had an episode that talked about how DID works. I thought this was really interesting. If anybody wants to check this out, if you are curious to know more about it, they broke it down in a very easy to understand language. It was nice to listen to. They had the history of DID, how it became popular from the 50s to the 80s because it was coming to the consciousness of the American people with books and movies such as Sybil, where they talked about what happens and it was almost glorified for a while they went into the intrigue that people felt over this and we sort of lost sight of the academics of it all from a psychological perspective and once that started to be discredited that people were saying that therapists were maybe planting ideas when they were doing hypnosis and undergoing treatment with their patients and there weren't actually all of these alters in everybody that was coming forward and talking about multiple personality disorder. But the fact of the matter is that the problem of dissociative identity still was there. Mm-hmm. There were people really still struggling with that and do still today. But we understand it a lot better now. We understand that it moves more along a continuum of experiencing these dissociative states these states where you don't feel like you are part of yourself, where you have sections of your personality split off. So it's not like there's actual multiple personalities. This is part of the reason they changed the name. You aren't possessed or having five different people take over your yourself. It's just fracturing. The main idea mm-hmm. of who you are splits off into categories and becomes almost compartmentalized. And the degree of the compartmentalization is what contributes to how much the alters know about each other. So you have the host or the baseline personality, which if you look at the definition of it, and I'm taking straight from the DSM here, folks, this is the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, and how they describe it is DID reflects a failure to integrate various aspects of identity, memory, and consciousness. 
Each personality state may be experienced as if it has a distinct personal history, self-image, and identity. The alternate identities frequently have different names and characteristics. Particular identities may emerge in circumstances and differ in age, gender, vocabulary, so they could be very, very different, or sometimes they're just shades of the original. They are experienced as taking control in sequence, one at the expense of the other, and may deny knowledge of one another, be critical of one another, or appear to be in open conflict. Occasionally, one or more powerful identities allocate time to the others. Aggressive or hostile identities may at times interrupt activities or place the others in uncomfortable situations. The more passive identities tend to have more constricted memories, where the more hostile, controlling, or protector identities have more complete memories. So if you look at the hostile identity as being Mr. Robot here, let's just say that for argument's sake, he would have more complete memories and knowledge of what's happening than, say, Elliot, mm -hmm. or if there was an even more passive alter in there somewhere. Um, what tends to happen is that a lot of times the baseline personality is not aware of the alters or is only somewhat aware. Mm. But a lot of times the alters are actually aware of each other. Wow. Hmm. So Whoa. if there was a third personality in there, Robot could be aware of it, but Elliot may not. So what about this, though? What if, and I talked about this last week, what if Robot is the baseline mm -hmm. and Elliot is I the alt? That. And that. Elliot knows about the other alt, but Robot doesn't know about the other alt. Yes, and the only reason I would disagree with you there is that usually the primary identity carries the individual's given name and is passive, wow. dependent, guilty, and depressed. Okay. And that's Elliot to right. a T. I mean, yes. Mr. Robot isn't even a real identity. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, kind of like the name a, of an alter. He's a, he's a rapper or a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> and he's very, he's very confident. He's not depressed or anything like that. He's a very confident. Cocky. Rolling yeah. cocky, yeah. Right. So if we go back to the main reason why a lot of people develop this, there's still not a lot of consensus on this. That's why there's a lot of discussion we still don't have a definitive, clear answer on why DID happens, how to treat it, if it ever goes away. But something we have come to see as pretty consistent is a history of severe trauma, particularly in childhood. Hmm. And a lot of times the baseline has a loss of memory for that event because whatever happened was so difficult to deal with that they had to shut down. Another personality came in to take control, to deal with that situation, to protect the baseline. And we see a lot of that happening with Robot. Whether we're suspicious of him or not, right. he's stepping in at times where Elliot's in danger and he's taking the brunt punched. of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Elliot has these memory gaps for a lot of those things. Wow. So when he was a kid and he was being called Elliot Smelliot <laughs> in school, this is when he had to... <laughs> Severely that joke traumatizing. took so much setup. It was like pre-show setup for this joke. It was a bad joke. I said before we started recording, and I couldn't help but uh, say it again and ruin your whole thing. Sorry. This is good. Um, this book is huge, Chris. <laughs> well, and this well. isn't even the newest one, so I have to be honest and tell you, I'm working off the 
fourth edition revised, I would get killed if people found out that I did mm. still don't have the DSM-5. I have one at work, but not my personal change, copy. Change, change. Yeah, I, I, when I tried to read up about this, there really is no consensus. This almost damn near went into the supernatural. Like, when I started reading non-academic, a lot of people do really think it's supernatural. Right. All people with DID are robots, actual robots, and they just don't know it yet. (laughs) Not even that. It's just like people who worked in psych wards with people like that say that it's like certain things are just really out there that they know or don't know and everything like that. It's crazy. Yeah, well, and um, kind of point in case, I have never worked with somebody that has dissociative identity disorder. And I, I did work for quite a few years in the mental health field. Like I've said, I've worked with people who have experienced dissociations. They have lost time, had breaks in their memory. Um, They have had some, you know, kind of feeling like splitting a personality, but that's not necessarily DID. The prevalence of it is very, very rare. They say between 1% and 3% of the population will experience that. And it's... So it really is special. (laughs) It's, well, it's, it was so overrepresented for so long in popular culture in these books and movies that I think people right. got the idea that, that it, was, it existed a lot more than it actually does. Right, the quicksand conundrum. You know, what's, uh, not to interrupt you, that movie we watch with uh, one of your favorite actors, shit, we were just watching, uh, High Fidelity. John what? Cusack. John, John Cusack. Cusack. The, the oh, movie, Identity. The movie where... Identity. Yes. Is it, yes. Yep. That's one of my favorites. If you if you guys have not seen that movie, do yourself a favor and watch it. I have not seen it. I actually think that's a fairly good representation of some of the symptoms and experiences that you would go through yeah. in having that. And the fact that there was so little awareness between the alters, and that's what I mean. You're kind of seeing a situation that's a little bit not as common and when i say that nothing about this is common so you know you can't really generalize but what's happening with robot and elliot is a lot more of a synchronous relationship than what i would imagine you would see and that could be because they've been coming to a place where they're trying to integrate more and that is ideally the goal of treatment although it doesn't happen so often that Mm -hmm. full integration really takes place. guys ever seen primal fear with richard Gere? Mm mm-hmm Richard That's Gere and uh, oh wait no I'm thinking of Cape Fear and, no, and uh, Richard Gere and uh, Norton and Norton it, but it's pro- almost like um, you, you you I'm wondering is it possible or do they know if what we fear with Elliot can you be baseline and can a stronger personality actually permanently take you over can it send a baseline personality somewhere else is that even possible yeah well that's the thing about this that. A lot of times the way we're talking about it and looking at it, and I think some of that is influenced by this TV show, is that Mr. Robot could really be the main guy. It it is almost like he's possessing him and trying to take him over. So to some extent that can happen, but there's a part of the baseline that's allowing that to happen, that needs that to happen. You know what I'm saying? They're not able to cope with what's going on. So generally, no, they wouldn't take over forever. Uh, but if this person decided that they needed this persona yeah. in order to deal with things, you know. I, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. There's often times, especially when I was growing up, where I wish I had, like, a different persona. Remember the first time you got cheated on or the first time someone broke up with you? It yeah. was like your life was over because the first, it's like you'd never experienced it before. 
I wish I had a different personality that would like put on some shades and be like, fuck uh, it, let's go out. Like Fozzie, like, hey. And just deal with it. Yeah. Wow. So we totally went off so, yeah, script to here. What was the no, podcast, though, that he mentioned? The yeah, it was called Stuff You Should Know. Okay. And they review a lot of different topics. It was very interesting. It's definitely worth a listen. And to bring it back to the stuff about Elliot and Robot, yeah, I am still wondering, a part of me is wondering if Robot could be stepping in to protect Elliot because he doesn't feel like he's capable of dealing with it, mm-hmm. as he's done in the past. Uh, that could be because there's another personality that's more sinister that he's trying to keep him away from. Um, or it could be that Robot himself has sinister plans, which I think is... got his own shit going on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. And even, even if it's just to protect his own survival, for survival. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's afraid that he's going to get pushed to the side again, Elliot's going to try to get rid of him or yeah. try to get rid of his plans, then he might be trying to step up and make sure that doesn't happen. I also think it's worth mentioning there's been some talk out there. Within Robot, there's a lot of discussion about being godlike. Mm-hmm. We heard Mr. Robot telling Elliot, I was only ever supposed to be the prophet. You were supposed to be the god. There's a lot of symbolism there. And then he makes fun of uh, Tyrell for talking about this is what it feels like to be a god. Yeah, and we got that again in this episode, which we'll get to with the Mr. Price conversation. So... If you want to look at it as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have the Father and the Son, and would the Holy Spirit be this omniscient third person that sees all and Mm -hmm. knows all, and, you know, if so, what are they up to? I love that. Take a second to digest that. Holy Trinity? Yeah, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, the Son is Elliot, Mm -hmm. the Father is Mr. Robot, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're the Holy Spirit. Love that. Whoever we. Because you can't get to Mr. Robot without going through Elliot, which is part of the whole scripture. Should we open up every podcast with like, welcome Holy Spirits? No. Welcome to the Holy Spirit podcast. (laughs) But to go back. The Church um, of Mr. Robot. To go back to the hidden process, the name of the episode. Yes. What I wanted to say just real quick and without getting too technical is there's a lot of apps that you download that you you think, okay, it's only going to use CPU when I press the icon and it mm-hmm. opens up. Yeah. But uh, some of them... A lot. A lot of them, <laughs> let's be honest, as soon as you turn on the computer, it's running behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, not just... And I think just, of that more on the phone, that there's just processes so running, and I'm like, where is all my memory going? Well, yeah. What's going on? This and the battery and sucks. everything. So, and then I realize, oh, it's I'm using an iPhone, and... A new iPhone just came out, and they're just sabotaging the old version. So yeah, so you got to know what you're doing. You got to turn <laughs> off those. You got to turn it off where, like, upon signing in, don't let this run process, and then yeah, defrag and all that shit too, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, I got to tell you, the average user, like my parents, when I go onto their phone, sometimes they never fully close out of any of yeah. the apps, anything they're using. They have like 500 things open in the background, so I could definitely see that. We- I- I don't know what the actual... For a while, they were saying you don't need to turn it off because the software is to is meant to let it idle in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they're saying... They were f- for a while saying, like, if you close everything out and, like, really close it out, it takes more processes to turn it back on completely. That's yeah. what the Apple Store okay. was saying before. I get that, but... But now I'm hearing a different thing. Every so often, oh, if you, like, double-click, you'll see all the open apps. 
Mm-hmm. Every so often, just swipe up, swipe up, swipe up. Get rid of all that yeah. shit. Restart your... Hmm. Uh, I almost said computer. Your phone. It is a computer. Restart yeah, your computer and uh, start fresh. I don't know what the answer is. Well, yeah, because when you open up certain things, things have to run in the background because you're allowing it access to your GPS, your contacts. Right. When you mm-hmm. agree to certain things, you don't ever read the fine print of what you're agreeing to. Mm-mm. So that's mm-hmm. why certain things have to run in the background because it's gathering information. It might want to know where you're going, mm-hmm. where your friends are calling you, where you're meeting up, and it's gathering all this other data that you don't know about. So it's almost like that, right? You know, like there's a lot of hidden processes in mobile devices, and it's almost like F Society They're or Dark watching. Army. Like you let one, you let someone in, and what other hidden agendas do they have? that they keep going along with you. Yeah. Yeah, and we heard the conspiracy theorists talk about that on this episode, right? And how they, the great they, are looking to take power and control away from you and you should be afraid this mm-hmm. is happening. Yeah, that guy. I don't know who, if that guy was someone like, I think we've seen him popular. before. I don't know. Like I, in real life or anything like that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that I'm not sure about, but I think they have showed him before in the oh, Mr. Robot really? universe. Oh. Remember when Susan was, everything was going crazy and her TV, her huge fucking TV came down. It was that dude yelling. I I don't know if that's the same guy because he wasn't yelling in this one. It it might be him. You might be right about that. I'm not sure. Well, coming back to our title just for a second, we do have a couple more tech notes. One of them is on the title extension.axx. Now, a lot of people were confusing this with .aax which okay. is an audio mm-hmm. encrypted file, and that is going to be a popular theme that we'll discuss for this episode, but that is not the extension we're looking at here. AXX is an AxCrypt encrypted file, so a program that scrambles a file to the point that it's unusable without first being decrypted with a specific password. Would that be Elliot being unusable when he's, his shit's all fucked up, like all of his personalities, and he needs to kind of be rebooted and... Recoded. Not saying he's a robot, listeners. So it's... <laughs> I'm saying in theory. <laughs> so it's hidden process dot AXX, and that's an unusable process, you're saying? It's unusable without being decrypted first. Oh, okay. If they're talking about us mm. as the hidden process from yes. a robot. Shit. Yeah. And we're unusable. You need to say the magic word. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I know we're wrong sometimes, but this is just fun. No, just yeah. great. think of shit. I love it. It's great the amount of speculation that Smail has inspired amongst the fans. Yeah. How vehemently people are disagreeing with each other because they're so gung-ho on their own theories. And, you know, we're going to get into this later. All the clue searching in this episode sparked a lot of going on Reddit and trying to mm-hmm. discover mm-hmm. things. A couple other minor tech notes. While in his apartment this episode, Elliot builds a directional Wi-Fi antenna out of a Pringles chip can. Mm-hmm. Same thing uh, Darlene was using, but hers was more advanced. Yes. Yeah, his is the cantenna. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we did discuss this. Yeah. yeah. Head of the game on that one. We need to do that. Stop paying for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just have a bunch of Pringle cans on your roof. Yeah. Well, while Elliot's shopping at Micro Center, Mr. Sutherland, which is the name of the bodyguard, we finally learned, mm-hmm. Joanna's guy, is seen playing the video game Watch Dogs. So similar to Mr. Robot, Watch Dogs is about a hacker motivated by revenge. Ooh, a little wink wink. Mm-hmm. A little winky. And finally, Elliot's Wi-Fi is named, it's like you're always stuck in second gear. 
Oh. <laughs> nice. And friends. Yeah. Friends yeah. callback. I love that. There's actually a couple of cute Wi-Fi names. I love being... <laughs> like, this show is great because it, it's always giving an homage to our childhood. And it's very selfish of me, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the last thing we got, only two music notes for this episode. There could be more, but they weren't up yet. Nasian. Uh, yeah, I think that's right, Nasian. The G is a little, is silent. It's like a Gnostic. Yeah, Nasian number one. Anyway, this is the thing playing during the opening scenes when Colby and Price talk. That was By insane. Sati. Very good. I've been listening to all his stuff yeah? today. Yeah, I just kept listening to it. That was nice. That was the softer music. Yes. Piano-like compositions. I like that. Yeah. Mm. And then ready for this one? The head that controls both right and left sides eats meat and slobbers even today. Mm, By Bleach? the title. By Bleach, yes. And that's the hardcore rock. Yeah. Yes. That was really... Oh, well, like intense. It was jarring the <laughs> yeah. juxtaposition between like, yeah, yeah. the piano music and then just right. <laughs> so yeah, this is a Japanese hardcore band, and that's the music that plays as the robot logo comes up and yeah. Joanna's getting ready. Guaranteed, there's. I'm not putting that in our background sound. No. Why not? We really should have no it playing the whole time. Give people a heart attack. Yeah, and no one would be able to hear our words <laughs> yeah. because they'd be like, the screaming. It sounded like us. little kids like in a hardcore band to me when I first heard it. All right, on to fun facts. A few things. On Twitter, we found that Sam Esmel was on last episode. He was in the background. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I can't believe I didn't catch it. I didn't either. When was it? Do you know? No. No. <laughs> I'm sure really there's... have these things ready. I'm I know. sure there's, there's... I yell at you for that all the time. <laughs> and uh, I'm embarrassed to say this. I didn't know this. Did you know that Rami Malek... Is a twin? Uh, yeah, I think I had seen that somewhere. That's not an active knowledge thing that it I isn't, have, right? but I've seen. I I feel like I've seen that before. I had no idea until you showed me that video, which was amazing. It's so cool. Apparently, Rami was. Uh, he just graduated from. Um, oh, I did hear this story. Yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> he just graduated from acting school, and his brother called him and said, "I need you to come." to my school and I need you to do this final test. It's the only way I'm going to be able to pass. And I forgot what it was. He, he had to act out um, some kind of play. It might have been Shakespeare. Yeah. Probably. It was, it was some sort of monologue that he had to give to the class. The story's great and I'm not going to go through it here. If you want to check it out, uh, just look up Rami Malek on YouTube. Rami Malek Twin talk <laughs> show. And he'll tell you the whole story. It's really funny. He basically... He did act it out, and he got away with it, which is really <laughs> awesome. Switch spots. Yeah. Twin switch. A couple more things. When Esmail was asked why season two's big reveal was no surprise, Esmail insists that those premature visual hints were intentional. We obviously telegraphed it and foreshadowed it as much as we could, he says, and that dwelling on whether or not the latest plot twist came as a surprise is, quote, missing the point. Right. I think it's very impactful when a reveal does surprise you, Esmail says. I can, re- I can get really excited, but at the same time, a reveal always has, a feel- has to feel inevitable. Because if it's shock with no basis in reality and no basis in what we're invested in, it, it can just feel arbitrary and yeah. like a trick. Cheap. And yeah. that's basically what we were saying a couple episodes ago. 
Like yeah. he can't if he's just gonna do every episode now. Like my main intention is just to trick, trick you, you with yeah. something. Then the story's gonna get lost. That's it's why people don't like M Night Shyamalan yeah. as much anymore. Exactly. There's always some kind of twist, and you're like, oh, there's. It, it's like the whole movie mm-hmm. didn't matter anymore. Uh, there was no point to it. it just waiting to get to that that shocking twist. moment. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think there's so many other things, so many other questions he has going for us that wasn't the main through line. Mm-hmm. So it didn't bother me. I don't know why it bothered so many people. Well, I think a lot of people we have been talking about this throughout the episodes feel differently about season two than season one. It's a different style, especially the first half of this season. Yeah. And I think you either love it or you hate it. And there's been maybe some shifts occurring recently that are increasing the popularity again. But I think there's going to be a lot of mixed feelings right up until the end. I have a feeling he's going to do a superb job of wrapping it up so that by the time season two is over, we look back on it very fondly. I already look at it fondly. I mean, I I feel like we're going to find out about Tyrell in one of these next two episodes. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, the the reveal. And I don't know what else is going on uh, around it with the other stories line, but I feel like that has... That has to happen. Yeah. If he doesn't do that, I'm gonna probably be really upset. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think we're gonna get a little about stage two. What does that mean? Yeah. I uh, hope for sure that they can tie in the price white rose thing because that's really I'm getting tired of that dragging so much and mm-hmm. not understanding at all where that goes. And if this is supposed to be the really big picture, mm-hmm. I want to get it more. I think this was a weird scene which we'll get to with price this time mm-hmm. so uh, i'm a little bothered by that also i don't know i don't think that's something they have to wrap up i would wa- i really want to know about the washington township yeah I, I feel like they need to at least tell us what kind of what's going well i don't know i could see them dragging that out also that's what i'm referencing i don't think i need to know everything but i would like to know how what's going on now fits a little bit into their bigger plotting because they're making robots <laughs> no, we'll get yelled stuff. at. People don't like that theory. <laughs> Next fun fact. Uh, Sam Esmel and Christian Slater will be doing a panel at the New Yorker Festival on October 8th at 10 p.m. Nice. It will be held in the MasterCard stage at SVA Theater. One, when is this? 333 West 23rd Street. October 8th. Tickets oh, are 50 that's bucks. That's during Comic-Con. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, why did they do that? Well, Maybe because is it close enough? Maybe people. Oh, I was so upset last year. I the, I had to walk out of the Mr. Robot panel because I had a flight. I was so mad. Uh, uh, like right in the middle of it, I was so uh, all gearing up to it all day because it happened later in the day. I'm gearing up and can't wait to for the Mr. Robot thing. But I know I'm gonna have to leave in the middle. Hmm. And then they had, and I was kind of excited about the colony. But then when I watched it, I was like, ah, this is not gonna be good. <laughs> uh, but they watched. They showed the whole premiere of that before the Mr. Oh. Robot panel so I was just pissed about that I wasn't mm. going to see as much and all day I'm thinking about like oh they're going to have a question and answer portion uh, I got to figure out what I'm going to say all day absolutely nothing can't uh. think of a thing sitting there in the chair looking at everyone up there a billion questions pop into my head I'm like oh, I can't believe I have to leave right <laughs> now oh, <that laughs> do this. But it sucks that this year it's not going to be like part of comic-con actually yeah well where um, is this this is happening in new york right yeah the mastercard stage at sva theater 
I mean, it was in a separate like building. Thing it was in the Hammerstein. Okay. Is where they did it last year. It sounds. I wish we were getting paid for this. Sounds like a commercial, but it's, it's a cool thing. If you're around New York, if you're in the five bureau, boroughs or bureaus. or uh, Jersey or whatever, check it out. And also, keep an eye out for episode three, way before it comes out. Keep an eye out online. Just keep looking for um, extras, like Google uh, Mr. Robot looking for extras. You mean because, season three? Yes, I, I said, said episode. episode. Sorry, yeah. because for season two they. They were calling for a lot of extras in the city. Oh, they yeah. needed. And uh, it's easy. Just fill, fill that shit out. I want to do it and then get to talk to someone mm-hmm. in the cast and like podcast it. How cool would that be? That's not going to happen. Nope. They don't let us normies talk to the, the stars. No, we're extra normies because <laughs> we're extras. Oh. <laughs> Yo, well, as a slight sidebar, I was just going back and watching some of the Game of Thrones season four bonus features. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how... There was quite a few scenes, like at the Battle for Castle Black, where they needed so many extras, and they took from wherever they were filming. Mm. And these people came on and wound up being so enthusiastic and giving it their all that Mm -hmm. the main actors were really impressed, and they got to talking, and they wound up being there more than they thought they were going to be. So you just never know. Yeah, also with those, they were being trained by top trainers. Absolutely. To fight. How to fight. They kept them because oh, now they've cool. invested in them and they can fight really well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, movie fight like really that. well. Yeah. Like, is this like the scene when they're uh, all the walkers are like coming in and when they're in the. That's one of them. Uh, yeah. The one yeah. I'm thinking of, though, was the battle for Castle Black when we're inside on the okay. south side of the wall yeah. and they're doing that one long camera pan oh, okay. around shot. All right. And last fun fact Christian Slater, he has a movie coming out called King Cobra on October 21st. It also stars James Franco, Molly Ringwald, Alicia Silverstone's back. Mm. My goodness. Wow. Throwbacks. Blast from the past. This is what the movie's about. This ripped from the headlines drama covers the early rise of gay porn headliner Sean Paul Lockhart, a.k.a. Brent Corrigan, before his falling out with the producer who made him famous. When Sean decides he's, he'd be better off a free agent, a cash-strapped pair of rival producers aim to cash in by any means possible. There hasn't been much else about there. It, it scored an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes already, <laughs> but there's only been six people, six critics that have uh, weighed Reviewed in. It. Reviewed so it. So it doesn't, okay. that 83% doesn't mean anything at this I point. I can see why you'd be interested in this, though. I mean, uh-huh. being your stint in gay porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gay porn. Those stories and a lot more we have on our timeline on Twitter. Just uh, follow us at CKC Podcast. And we have we have a great time. We we actually talk to a lot of our listeners on there. Mm. We they let us know about storylines. We let them know. It's a great way to keep in touch during the week, and to and to know what other shows we're going to be doing and everything that's going on. So follow us at CKC Podcast. And now let's get into episode ten. We have a long synopsis. There was roughly twenty eight scenes, although a lot of those were very quick, cutting back and forth towards the end. I think we need to spend at least a half an hour on each one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to keep it flowing for you. Scene one was in the office with Price and Colby. So this is what I was referencing before. Terry Colby comes to speak with Price. He gives him his book, he The Last like Honest Jobs. Man. <laughs> he looks like Steve Jobs in that thing with his uh, hand up to his chin. Yeah. And it's all dark in the background, but... Terry Colby's very honest. We all know that oh, yeah. about him, you know. 
It's, I felt like it's been weird that we haven't seen him for mm-hmm. so long. He's so prevalent in season one. There's sort of a cute comment under there. Can you believe Trump is running and he's got so much on him that he could be on the card? Mm-hmm. So nice. here's Asmail talking again, I think. <laughs> this is where Price comes in and says, politics is for puppets. And speaking of, he needs Colby to see their friend Winston Campbell about this issue they're having because he owes Colby favors. Winston has the president's ear. So Terry thinks Price wants the ambassador to vote yes in this UN vote, allowing China to annex the Congo, which would essentially give them national sovereignty. But Price actually just wants the ambassador to abstain. I wasn't sure if he was, uh, if they were just being cute with annex, not really annex the Congo. I thought it was just like, uh, like he was... He was saying that that's basically what was going to happen, but it wasn't going to be a real takeover. Well, I thought so, too, until he says Obama would be known as the man to gift Africa to China. I guess. And they were talking about this in season one, and I kind of wondered where that whole plot line went, because now everything's been about the Washington Township thing and the plant and White Rose's pet project. So I don't know how this configures in. It seems like a major deal Mm -hmm. to affect this vote in such a way. I didn't even know where this came from, from our last conversation with Price and White Rose. I mean, Price took a pretty big stand against White Rose Mm -hmm. and told him to give him money, basically. And White Rose is like, well, yeah, I mean, I can talk to them about that. And then they're like, okay. And White and Price is basically telling him that he's not going to stand for any of his shit anymore. Mm-hmm. And now um, he's going to help him get but this now done. He's, yeah, now he's helping them. Which so, maybe is know. the cost for that? Oh, I, this is a much steeper yes, cost. It, <laughs> it does seem like he's, you know, backpedaling away from that stance. I, I think it's more of like, like it almost seems like HML is really dealing with what's happening currently. And, and that's why I've always said it's like with China... China really is the major player in Africa, like the major player. They are giving them money. They're taking over the land. They're hiring all their workers. They're the biggest contractors there. So when they were talking about the Congo, the Congo right now has, in real life, has an untapped gold resource I thought uh, it was cobalt. The American GDP, like they say, twenty-four trillion maybe in gold. Oh, really? I thought it was Untapped. cobalt that they had, and this other thing, cobalt or something like that. They got that too, which is um, what I think is used for uh, aluminum. Or I, I thought I, I read something, and it was used as parts of like uh, computer, phones. yeah, microprocessors and oh. stuff like that. It's, it's what's in cell phones, and then um, I'm trying to remember what is from aluminum. But there's all right. There's a lot of resources in Congo that are being used. Gold is the untapped resource. They have not even gotten into gold. So China is in most of the African nations right now. Even when Akon went to light up Africa, he got a credit line from China of a billion dollars. So China's a major player. And, you know, what they were talking about in the room, I thought was very interesting with him being God and he wants to be the most powerful person. And, you know, it's like, what is Price talking about with this whole um, or wanting to be the most powerful man in the room? Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what two rooms is he not the most yeah, powerful? Yeah, who is he talking he already, about? He yeah, thinks presidents are puppets. So I think he was, politics, he was referencing two people right. because right. he says, one, well, 
two. Yeah. So it was like one, definitely one person out there. And mm-hmm. then he has to think about it. And then he comes to a second person. Putin. Putin. So. <laughs> Not even. Um, <laughs> Elliot. Are you sure? Well, Putin. If he's in the same room with Putin, Putin's KGB. Yeah, I know. But. I mean, physically, he could just kill you when he like he knows how to kill you as he walks in the room. So I, th- I think definitely White Rose and Elliot are the two people that came to mind. Right. And I know that other podcasts since have talked about this. We're a little bit late in getting our episode out this time. But the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, he's talking about White Rose. Oh, but maybe he's talking about Minister Zhang. So yeah. if he doesn't, in fact, know that they are the same person, oh. he could be looking at those two. Um, it's also been suggested that if you look at Elliot, there's Elliot and Mr. Robot. So each one of those people could actually be that, oh, I mean, two. Right. Or he could just be flat out talking about White Rose and Elliot as the two. But I think either I way, think so. that shows the level of power for these characters, if he is referencing them, that he ascribes to them. In my life, as I was making my way, I always ask the question, Am I the most powerful person in the room? And the answer needed to be yes. To this day, I still ask that question. And the answer is still yes. In every room in the entire world, the answer is yes. With the exception of one. Or two. And that drives me. I intend to leave a legacy, the standard of which was set by God when he created the earth and man after his own image. Anything less is not worth mentioning. Zang, but I don't I feel like that it would take a lot for Price to admit that about Minister Zhang. Certainly, I think that's you know? why he's not saying the name. Right. He's not <laughs> saying the names. I mean, this this is a very personal question mm-hmm. and right. it was a very personal answer that he gave because he was like, you know, before I go, I just like he's asking him for this favor that could potentially change the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. Abstaining from a UN vote, America abstaining, like that can change the world, right? Well, and change a legacy for Obama. Yeah. You know? Right. Just abstaining, not even doing it, just abstaining. So this is a very, very intimate and personal conversation. Like, all right, I'll do it. And I've always worked for you and I've always been loyal for you, but I have to know why. Yeah. Right. I was surprised that he was entrusting Colby to tell him as much as he did. And he basically. I think Colby was asking what we're all thinking. Okay, how does this play into the bigger picture? What does this have to do with your overall ambition? He comes to the point of, is he the most powerful person in the world? But then he starts getting even crazier than that, talking about wanting to create a legacy, the standard of which was set by God when he created the earth and man after his own image. Anything less is just not worth it. So we're getting to this higher level of crazy with mm-hmm. Mr. Price that I'm not sure if we knew we were at with him. 
I think so. I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, why not? I mean, these guys are the shadow. You've always wanted to know the men who rule the world, what motivates you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're the richest person in the world, now it's about power. You can do everything you want. So what are their personalities really like? Why are they causing suffering? Why do they not want things to be equal? You know, so I think that's right. basically just what it is. Like a man like Price, you're getting into his inner mind because if Cobley is the most honest man and you know he's not, <laughs> <laughs> and it's enough for him. What, what, what would it be for Price? I mean, we've seen a woman get choked to death just to be for a man to be head of a company. We see a woman who's willing to kill people and 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 put like inject you and paralyze you. But these are all rich people. Yeah, these I are think people who have money. The question for me is. How much of this is true? How much power does Price actually have? And how much is it delusional Right. that he actually is the most powerful that's man? That's just and how he feels. Mm-hmm. He's just putting his own ego, building himself up. Maybe. But it felt, um, you know, I know other people are saying he turned into too much of the... Villain? Quintessential, yeah, like yeah. Bond villain or, or, you know, just over the top in this scene. Mm-hmm. I have liked Price in the way he's portraying the character so far, and I think that men of great power probably would come off in this manner. The way he's been represented throughout the seasons we talked about, that initial superficial charm to hook somebody in, and then he immediately flops and shows the true colors underneath, Mm -hmm. and he just needs to get the job done. I thought he's done a great job with that. But my problem was starting to make these connections a little bit more for us. So I hope that we get that. Well, I do have to say, right now he's backed into a corner. Last episode, he got threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's about to lose his ties with China. Yeah, well, he was almost going to, like, his company was about to go under. Yeah. And it's been, a, what, a year or something where everything's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though he had a plan in it, too. But. It's very yeah, they're pivoting. They're they're making moves still. So if you think about it, you know the whole story like um if you put a rat in a can and put it on your chest and then they start heating up the other right. end of the can, mm-hmm. it's gonna eat through your heart to get stay alive. Yeah, right. That's where he's at right now. Exactly. That's what I was quoting. Mm-hmm. He, that's where he's at right now. And he's a powerful man. He's gotten there. Not off of just being nice, obviously. Mm-hmm. And now he's cornered, and he needs to fucking let loose and start swinging. And I don't think he's, he's that rabid yet. I don't think he's... I don't I think mean, he thinks he is. Right. He might be, but he's not right. seeing it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. But also, remember, he threatened White Rose. Right. He wasn't right. Rose Well, time, White Rose threatened him... Yes, but I mean he threatened also. back. And that what do you do when you feel like you're in danger? Mm-hmm. You let your Flash feathers out. fly, yeah. you look bigger, and you mm-hmm. you start doing the animal thing. And that's what he's doing. He's feeling threatened right now. If, did you guys notice that that scene, there was a blue color tone to everything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cold. Mm-hmm. Very uh, just uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got that big blue painting in there also, and it's like a white-gray type room yeah well and you had the soft piano coming in so in a sense we were almost being lulled and then Mm -hmm. of course they came right in with a bang with this title sequence the opening 
which of course is what we talked about before, the robot logo coming up as the camera pans over to Joanna getting dressed in this slinky black dress. Super, super close-up shot of the camera on her face. I Mm -hmm. mean, you can literally just see everything Mm -hmm. as she's putting on the lipstick. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was supposed to be us getting a better view of Joanna. Mm -hmm. They talk later in playing with this scene about, you know, Elliot wondering if she could see inside of his head and Robot saying, I right. feel like she sees me. So there's yeah. a lot of that going on here that's kind of interesting. I felt it was war music for Joanna before she right. met Ollie. She was getting mm. ready. Yeah. Sure. Psyching herself up, you know, prepping. Exactly. Uh, they were all the girls. Yeah, all the girls. Darlene, Angie, and uh, Joanna were on Chelsea on Netflix. She's got her own show, like a talk show type thing. Mm. And they were all on there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like, Joanna looks way hotter in Mr. Robot to me for some reason. <laughs> like, she didn't look as hot in the on TV. And my girlfriend, uh, Carolina, she thought the same thing. It's her like, persona. That, uh, that she's like, oh, she's like, what do you think? She doesn't look as good as she looked in Mr. Robot, right? And I'm like, yeah, she, do, she it looks like she's got all these parts that make up this, like, supermodel mm-hmm. type look. But, uh, like, uh, it was just a little off. On Chelsea, I don't know. I think part of it's the persona. Yeah. This very intense, powerful woman who's very in control constantly. Into kinky sex. She follows us on Twitter, so she might listen to this. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> if so, yes. I have to say <laughs> she is gorgeous. Being brave enough to let that camera zoom in that you can yeah. see every yeah. pore on her skin, even the lines of her lips as she's putting the lipstick on, she's still beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think oh, she's, she's uh, like price level of her, uh, how she feels about her looks, about herself. That's oh, the this level. is part of it. This is part of it. That's yeah. like her armor in yeah. a sense. And like you said, she's getting ready. This is how she does it. Yeah. Like even I, I, I was talking with uh, Tom and Jamal at work and even the it was like, did did she threaten Elliot? I'm like, I thought she threatened him with sex. Like it was like she threatened him in a sexual way, not like you know I'm gonna weird. kill you. It, it's like you better be careful, or I'm gonna fuck the shit out of you. It was kind <laughs> of weird. Yeah, we'll definitely get there in a second. So first, we see Mr. Sutherland, the bodyguard, who is against this. Joanna is telling him that he should have done his job, and they wouldn't be here in the first place. Right. And this is when we get the roll down of the window, seeing it from the other side. Then we're in the house, and Elliot and Joanna are looking at each other in silence. It is super uncomfortable here for Mm -hmm. a minute. And this is when he says, is she trying to get inside of my head? Robot says, I feel like she can see me. What is that about? Well, because she was looking into his soul. There was a silence. He's not used to that, right? Just looking at him. Um, Do you think she knows? It's a a power play. I love the silence. Uh, in in a conversation, you can the first person to break loses basically, mm-hmm. and you can wait out someone just by being quiet. And uh, I feel like this is some, like Angie does this a lot. Mm-hmm. She's very quiet, quiet stares when she when she's doing things. If you're just waiting for someone who to break their silence. But do you so. think she knows that Elliot suffers with this and that he has no. a Mr. Robot? She doesn't even know his name is Elliot. I think. Although I don't understand. I think she does. I don't understand. Uh, yeah. Maybe because, well, she calls him Ollie because he said his name was Ollie. Right. But mm-hmm. how does she know that he's coming home? Like, has she been waiting there all day? Does she know he's been in prison? Because if she knows he's been in prison, then she knows his real name. I think she's following him. Well, well Sutherland. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of people, including Frank and a lot of our listeners, keep saying that Elliot is Tyrell. Tyrell. No. And it I think this add is. Up. Oh, I think so this, this then is, she would have to know that she that he has this affliction and she's just toying with. Right. This. Well, yeah. Well, I think that this is Rami, like, just poking us and saying, and when he's like, I feel like she can hear us. Mm-hmm. If it, I mean, that, that scene would make sense if he was Tyrell. Because she knows what's going on, and she's just, just looking like, where? Who is he right now? What is he being? Right. Can I, I get Tyrell to come out? Then bringing up the storyline. I know you haven't talked about this yet, but bringing up the storyline about Tyrell, what he did for her, mm-hmm. and then even when he whispered to her, I don't believe that he is Tyrell. But for a second, I was thought she was going to whisper and go, "I know you're Tyrell. Mm. Come out, Tyrell," or something like that. I think this just goes back to the same thing that I thought initially in that I think she's met Elliot before as Mr. Robot. Mm. That's when what they, I think as well. When they first met each other from what we saw on the streets when Elliot introduced himself as Ollie, she seemed to recognize him. She gave that wry little smile when he said his name was Ollie. Mm-hmm. She seemed like... They had met each other before, but she could tell that Elliot didn't recognize her, that he didn't know what was going on. And so she was playing with him to a certain extent. So I don't think that that discounts that still happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's toying with him in a sense here. Can I discredit the Tyrell is Elliot thing? Mm-hmm. If that's true, everybody is looking for Tyrell. The mass media is looking for Tyrell Wellick. Where is Tyrell Wellick? Everyone's looking for mm-hmm. him. If he's in jail, they know it. Elliot was in jail. Mm-hmm. They know that, oh, wait a minute, that kind of looks like Tyrell Wellick. Yeah. Oh, no, that's Elliot. Yeah. It, no, it, it, it can't be. It doesn't make sense. But would it but make sense because there's fingerprints? If, even if you're going to get high enough security clearance to be what Tyrell's job was, everybody's going to know who you are. He stood right. in court. Everybody's looking just like Ryan says. I don't think Elliot goes off into the night and has sex with men. And, right. and and does all that other stuff that Tyrell was doing. I don't think that Elliot would have been known to everybody at a party and choked them and choked out a woman and then came back down and walking through the halls of E Corp. He worked at E Corp. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean so that just I mean it would be a different persona for Elliot, you know. And then also yeah, but people I mean, would recognize if you look at right, it, exactly. she does know because my whole thing is Elliot when he went there and she spoke to him and she was like, oh, I haven't seen Tyrell and everything. The way she was looking at him, she could that first time in the first season, you could definitely tell she knew it wasn't the same person. Yep. When she was meeting him now, she knew when she was lying and she was looking. She can see through them because she's trying to see who she's speaking to. Just like I know Tyrell knew when he was speaking to Mr. Robot versus mm-hmm. Elliot because he spoke to Elliot in a threatening manner. But when Mr. Robot was in the car with him and we didn't know, Mm -hmm. they weren't trying to show you that Mr. Robot was Elliot. Mr. Robot was shutting him down, was completely dominating the conversation. Mm -hmm. Didn't he say that he knows he's crazy or was that? Yeah, like you better shut up and do what I tell you to do and you'll know when you know. And that was the whole thing. So I think that Tyrell knows that it's two people. Yeah. And I think his wife from that extension knows that it's two people and you have to know who you're dealing with. Yeah, and she knows that they work together and the main thing just comes back around to that she's worried about Tyrell and she needs to know what's happened to him. Their whole master plan in life together for how to take over the universe 
revolves around centrally Tyrell being able to make this stuff work. And right. we get this story about their history, which very much plays into that and about how <laughs> alike they are in their craziness and their lust for power and almost um, sociopathy. You know, she tells us this story about how she wanted this pair of earrings that she saw. And stunning redhead was wearing them, and she basically told Tyrell to go fuck her and bring her the earrings back. And they weren't even expensive earrings. They were cubic zirconian. They were not... She said they were the cheap... They still are the cheapest thing she owns, and yet her favorite, because it's a symbol that Tyrell would always do what was necessary for her, for their plan, and at the end of it, she would get a gift. That's how she knows he's still alive in Is her mind. Is that the gift that we saw in the previous episode? Yes. Those earrings? Those are the earrings. Oh, no. Those were hanging ones, weren't okay, they? Okay, yeah. They can't be because the, this was early on with yeah. them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but she does talk about how he's been sending her gifts and about the phone that she thinks he called the night before. And the reason they haven't actually spoken is because he's protecting her. And so these unknown calls that she's getting, she wants Elliot to track. But... Basically, this kind of goes back to what I was saying last time, that I don't think she ever really gave up on Tyrell. Mm -hmm. I think she's using this guy, Derek, as a plaything and also to set him up, we think maybe as the fall guy to take the rap for Sharon Knowles' murder. And she was always intending to go back to Tyrell and get back to this plan that they've started. The only thing that throws me about that, people were talking about the fact that she told Tyrell she was done with him. Mm. Sort of. In season one in the hospital room. But I think we're making too much of that. Yeah, well, if you use this new information mm -hmm. uh, that she gives us, that Tyrell, she gives him a task. Mm -hmm. And he does the task. And that's what attracts her to him. She gave him a task. And he was failing to do the task. Right. So it was unattractive to her. So she's just telling him, this isn't attractive to me. You need to... I hear the we step always, it up uh, we from my said, girlfriend all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> We always said, right, that she was the mastermind behind it, that she came up with these plans and what to do, and he did the tough things that were necessary to do that. And so he was really struggling with the killing of Sharon Knowles. That was difficult right. for him. And I think that whatever this plan is that Tyrell has been a part of prior to his disappearance, she knew about that too, and she didn't plan for whatever is taking so long for this absence. She is freaking out about it because she's not in control. She doesn't know if he's okay. She thinks Elliot has something to do with it, or at right. least he knows what happened to him, or maybe that robot knows what happened to him, and that's who she's looking for in the moment because she wants to find out. And she's getting these calls of someone breathing all the time, which must mm -hmm. just be driving her crazy. Batty, sure. So she really wants him to track it down. She's not going to take no for an answer. We see... Robot and Elliot simultaneously thinking if they don't do this, she'll have him killed. Anyway, Smart either way, yeah, she's going to get out of it. We've seen her do that without a second thought. And so that's when we get that weird whispering in the ear threat. And I think this just goes back to how she uses her sexuality as part of mm -hmm. her power. Even when she's in the bedroom seemingly being the submissive one getting mm -hmm. tied up, That's she's still the one giving the commands. Yeah, she's in control, like telling you what to do mm -hmm. while you're doing it to her. And so I think that's that's part of this play here, and that's why she had to spend so much time getting ready. I did like in that scene when she moves in close, there's the subtle turn from 
Rami. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is acting or if you're in the pre- presence of this gorgeous woman mm-hmm. where you just would naturally kind of Move turn into a kiss, you mm-hmm. think? But he does the slightest turn into it, I like saw they're that. gonna kiss, and then she blows past his lips right to his ear. I think so. he could have come close to falling for it eventually, right? Because exactly. I mean, she's very attractive, and she's got to use that weapon. It's a, you know, it's a bullet she's got in her chamber. Absolutely. Okay, so then we cut over to Cisco's house, where Cisco comes home and tells Darlene he found Vincent on the couch, gasping her name. Before I go further, I have to say I was a little disappointed, mm-hmm. feeling that this was the reveal. Yeah, um, sort they of left a, they cliff. They did that cliffhanger into a letdown. Yeah. Some random DC guy that was part of the operation with the bull's balls and, yeah. uh, you know, kind of nameless. We don't get his name they, here. She did Vincent. say that, though, that they that she they thought that one of their guys might came, come back to the house yeah. even after they cleared it. We're told not to. Yeah. So. so that's what happens. He looks really messed up, borderline unconscious. Did they say later on that he was in some kind of other heist or something and then ended up there when they were investigating that? I feel like they said something about that. Not a heist. Uh, they got... It was a car chase right. Yeah, that he got away from. One, one of the guys, being him, got away from that. So in this scene, she's telling Cisco that they can't take this guy to the hospital because he might have a tracker or a bug. He knows her name and her face. She just can't risk him talking. And besides their well, focus... Well, not just that. At the, hosp- at the hospital, people are going to ask you questions about who you are, and then they're going to remember you and your face, mm-hmm. which we find out. I mean, this is, this is a pivotal point in this episode, because if, she, if we went by her initial reaction, mm-hmm. Cisco would still be alive. And he's the one fighting to take him to hospital we got to save this guy's life but if she puts it to him like it's either this guy dies or you die how is that going to work out well yeah and i think what's interesting about what you're saying is that she actually is stepping up here right and making those hard decisions that she grappled with last time when she wound up killing susan jacobs all the mistakes she made of leaving the tape there and not wiping Mm -hmm. the place down she didn't quite know if she but was going to be no able to. there have been no ramifications for her for that so far. She's gotten away with it pretty much scot-free. Yeah. The only ramification is that Cisco, like an idiot, came back with this guy. Well, I think that's showing her kind of transforming because he gets down on her later and tells her that she's not a leader and she's not made to do all of these things. But I think that this scene is showing us that she actually was starting to realize those tough decisions that I need to be made. I think she could have been a leader and he pulled her out of that. But it's also kind of good because even though the consequences in the end are very dire, the shift that she's making is one that would have changed her irrevocably. She was starting to move over to the dark side to the point where it's going to be okay to kill anybody or cut anybody off that doesn't figure into their plan of keeping them safe. So he was trying to ground her in her humanity. And I don't know that Cisco is a strong enough character that we weren't really relating to that as much. But but also... Drop him off and leave. Why right. stay there Don't. and then come back? I think she even so mentioned that at weird. one point. That I they think could she just was trying him. to prove her humanity yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah. So and that, that drop was him her off because you can't do anything from that point on. Right. Don't sit there. Let everyone see your face. Remember your face. 
and then leave for lunch and then come back. Like, come on, guys. Well, they you didn't know, where know anything was going to come out. What They, they didn't know this shit. was going to happen so fast. I don't give a shit. They right. know shit's happening. And right. she knew ahead Part of, of time this was dangerous. has potentially died, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They know for a fact some of them have. And some well, are missing. Yeah, yeah, so... I think they're shacked up together. I think that love connection is happening <laughs> between uh, Mobley, Trent and, Mobley. and Trent. But I also didn't think that they thought that DiPiero would have something on them and what they looked like and would be able to bring that. So it's like nobody knows who we are. We're like Anonymous. Like, if you look at Anonymous and how they move, they could be out anywhere, out and about. And with all the chaos that's going on right now, they thought that they were protected by that. But they didn't know that the FBI has a picture of him, I and now this is a second right. confirmation, right? Everybody else did, but Darlene has been worried. She's been switching yeah. cars so that people don't follow her. She's been talking Very about careful. being right. watched. Um, she said one or two times if anybody saw her face or recognized her, the ramifications. And she's even coming clean the Rami about, <laughs> about thinking that it's the Dark Army in this episode and that they're cleaning house. So she was starting to get nervous here. And it yes. was Cisco who was acting like a dumbass and not listening to her. Yeah, and let's not forget the parts of the scene that we did not see is the fact that they're in the city. Um, this woman, the house that uh, they're staying at, she's been on vacation for a long time now. And they're carrying out a body right. into a taxi right. to get to a hospital. It's right. not like they're not being seen at this right. point. Well, he did. He carried it out. and that. Well, I guess that from his house, you're saying? But I mean... Yeah. They got the description of him from it's him really being at been her him. house. Yeah. It's really right. been him. And he had to carry the guy to get to his house. Right. Now they're carrying the guy to get... It's like... Uh, uh, yeah. Well, maybe... He, I don't even know. How did he take... How is he like, oh, yeah, take me and my friend who's unconscious right now back to my house or whatever. Yeah. He looks like shit and is dying. Well, well he should have just... He should have... He should have just taken him to the hospital. Dropped him he, off. He should have made that executive decision. Yeah. Well, Ryan, how is Cisco even in... <laughs> an elite group like the Dark Army, which we yeah. see later them like taking themselves out, mm-hmm. literally killing right. themselves so as not to be captured. They are very, very intense. I don't, Cisco doesn't seem to fit into that. I think that. that's a, um, <laughs> well, that's like a, a Asian kind of, or Chinese, I, well, I guess it's an Asian thing. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's like a myth or a thing. Uh, something we believe about them. I don't know how true it is or not. I think that's kind of how American society portrays them in, in a sense that we could see them doing this like a loyalty based, you know, like honor system where it's more honorable to kill yourself than to give up information. Well, yeah. And whether or not it has to even do with culture or just White Rose and how she runs a ship and basically you do what you're supposed to do because that's how intense this organization of the Dark Army is. So I just don't get... I mean, even when Cisco, every time he goes to meet with other people from the Dark Army, they're very yeah. dismissive of him. He's like this annoying little pet that keeps scampering around well, their feet. He might only be there because of his connection to F Society. I believe that he is. And how they can manipulate him to manipulate them. Yeah, and I think that Darlene saw that when she hacked into his stuff mm-hmm. and... She, if she didn't have emotional ties to him, he would have been cut off. Right. Yes. He should have been. And the the fact of the matter is, this ship that she's running mm-hmm. has been slowly sinking. 
there's been a leak, and it's been slowly sl- Darlene's ship. Yeah. That yes. Oh yeah, I was referencing White Rose's Dark oh, Army sorry. ship running under the oh, tightest of okay whatever, and Cisco yeah. not fitting in there. Yeah. And I think we've been seeing that he's been kind of coming more over the F Society ship, which yes, is being poked full of holes. Well, right. he was trying to come over, and then he got needled into under his shit mm-hmm. when he got too close, but the the fact of the matter is. This F Society ship, I'll go back on that ship mm-hmm. that's been sinking. It's not Darlene's fault. Right. It is Elliot's fault. Yeah, exactly. He, we, yeah, he admits to it. When the going got tough, he went and got himself. He let everybody else deal with it. Yeah, and right. he went in his own little safe world. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it. It's not just that. I mean, he. How can he lead if he can't even trust himself? He needed to figure out what was and going on with himself before he could move forward. Okay, he needed to fix himself before right. they even started this hold shit. Hold on, wait, before you go even farther, because you just said something that I think is really critical. If you go back to what we've seen of Darlene and Elliot's childhood, doesn't it feel like that was happening all the way back then? Yeah. That Elliot was dealing with his own issues and seemingly being coddled a little bit more by the family mm. whereas Darlene was the one living in the reality and taking the brunt of the mm. abuse and everything else You're that right. they've been through. Yes. And being ignored and yeah, and wanting yet, a different life. Exactly. It was that bad and we'll get to that later that she preferred being kidnapped over the life that she had which right. it doesn't seem Elliot feels the same way and so why again was their experience so different and why at the end of the story does she say the only thing that was worth coming back from living with a complete stranger was Elliot. Right. Yeah. But yes, he should be here. He should be running it. In his absence, Darlene is doing her best to step up, and Cisco is berating her. He's going to wake up to a drip of morphine. I can't risk him talking. And what? He knew what he was getting himself into. If we don't get him help right now, he's going to die. How does that not compute for you? Our focus is finding Trenton and Mobley. Trenton and Mobley might already be dead. Jesus, you're completely losing it. You want to act like you're on top of things, but you're not. You're buried way underneath. You're not a leader. You're not special. Yeah, you guys did the hack, but you fumbled your way into this ridiculous freak accident. That ain't leading. It's time to drop this charade like this was all part of the plan and wake the f- telling her that she acts like she's on top of things but she's actually buried she is not a leader drop this charade and wake the fuck up you are not this person Mm -hmm. and i don't think he's saying that to be intentionally mean to her no he's scared we saw after that they killed susan jacobs after she killed him and they were taking her out and they were on the subway together him trying to tell her it's okay this had to be done and she's like no actually I don't feel anything and that's a theme of her feeling things that are really not appropriate to the situation Mm -hmm. and you could see the look on his face when she said that that he was like holy shit who are you right but he still loves her you can you can see that in, that he's going through all this. He still is trying still to protect her, her, of course, and bring you know? her back. Right. And I think he went on this rant and was mean and all of that because he wanted to bring her back to humanity. He's right, trying exactly. to to hold on to that. And like you said, I think that's why she wound up going through with the taking the guy to the hospital because yeah. maybe she's trying to hold on to that too. Yeah. Let's not forget that he's proposed to her. 
Did he? Yeah. Really? A, a, I don't remember. a long time ago. Oh, yeah. She ago. talks about that yeah, yeah, in the first season. But at the, what gets me is that they lost any sense of being safe. When they're on the computer, they can be safe. Like They're anonymous. the best at it. Mm. They can be anonymous. They can erase all traces. They can do the, they think of everything, right? And then when it's to real life, let's hang out at the fucking hospital with this guy dying. Yeah. It was a bad move. I mean, it's a bad move, but it's a, it's it's only because Cisco, yeah, Darlene had the right idea. She just got a little bit sidetracked by him trying to bring up the humanity, but by like, morality, yeah, <laughs> trying yeah, to pull like, her emotions well, out. Yeah, it's just like it, it, it's she has to be Mister Robot's daughter in the scenario. Mm-hmm. Let the guy die. You got the tape. That's it. We already killed a powerful lawyer, burnt her body to a crisp. Mm-hmm. We got to move on. People have disappeared. Something's going on. She was playing it cool and safe and smart the whole time. These are the necessary things that need to be done when you're trying to take over the world. And Cisco just got, like you said, a little scared. And that's what put her in a vulnerable state, which she would have never have been in. Never. Had it not been for him intervening right now, and that was just about it. The only she's been very smart right up until then, and she is a good leader right up until then. And she's definitely been able to steer the ship in Elliot's absence very well. Some of these people started getting out of control. She's doing the best she can, and it's gonna take her losing some of her humanity. She doesn't have an alter ego that can help her deal with that or not deal with that and take it for her. So she has to deal with this herself. So when he pops up almost like the alter ego that's trying to bring her back to reality, that's when she gets a little bit vulnerable. But other than that, she was going really well with her darkness and going into that stuff so far. Are you sure she doesn't have an alter ego? Maybe they both have this affliction. I think Maybe she, she's Angie. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know about alters, but, you know, clearly I think she's been struggling with something since childhood, too. And I've said that before, that I think she's got a lot of issues that we're not seeing so much of until very recently. Right. And that might be an ongoing struggle for a very long time to find her humanity and, and emotionally connect to people and situations the way she should. Well, I would say as a parent, if you know that one child needs all this attention like has this a problem mm-hmm. and he's so they are going to give you're going to give extra attention to this because this is a problem you sure. know like um like we were i work at a school and there are multiple campuses and if one campus isn't doing as well as the other you would think that the people person in charge of that of the university would focus more on that campus than on the campus that is doing well and while she's focusing on that the campus, squeaky wheel gets the grease. The other campus can go to shit. Yep. Yeah. Well, and and I like the idea of what Jason said as well. All of season one, they were this smaller, more anonymous group hacking behind the scenes, and so they didn't have to worry about all this stuff quite so much. They weren't aware of that changing and you saw early on in season two them grappling with it getting bigger and other organizations being involved other people f society growing darling didn't know how to deal with that Mm -hmm. so i don't think they were ready for that shift quite yet and they didn't have those protection measures in that we can't operate like we used to 
in season one. You know, we have to change our tactics. So, unfortunately, somebody smart like Dom has caught on to those holes and she is pursuing them very quickly. So, getting back to the episode we see in the next scene, the FBI investigating Susan Jacobs' smart house. And Dom talks to Agent Yang, who says the teabaggers were found two days ago in Maryland, where a car chase ensued. One of them got away, which we know is Vincent, and the rest were apprehended. You said teabaggers. They said teabaggers. No, yeah, but well, that was that was the what me and Jason were sharing. I just just looked at him and just said teabag, and then we had a little man moment. Do we edit that out? No. Let's keep it in. See, those are the kind of things that you put in the blooper reel. Remember? You save those. From now on, (laughs) save those for a future blooper reel. Keeping this in. (laughs) So the rest were apprehended, and this is where they were supposed to meet up at the smart house. They are trying to figure things out, and Dom is starting to realize now that Susan is missing, that this could be less than savory, whatever's going on. Yang says that a neighbor spotted him and another male leaving and getting into a cab. Oh, good move, Cisco. And the description matches a person of interest in the code name case, which I mm-hmm. guess is what they're calling yeah. this. Yeah. To this, Dom gets very frustrated. Right. She goes on a tear. He was here tonight. Have you found the cab? Why did we burn the house? Then there's no surveillance on him. She's yeah, very why upset. Why are we in here now when they could, they're they going to come back, maybe? Potentially. Yeah. This is just a theme that the FBI has not been handling any of this right. And when questioned, Yang says that the director has taken a more aggressive approach ever since shit hit the fan with the video. I was saying last episode, or maybe two episodes ago, I was like, they're in the city. Mm. And yes, this is like a mansion for a city, but there's neighbors. And how, how are they not recognizing all these people coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving? No, I live in the city. You don't give a shit about anyone well, else. That's what I said. <laughs> that was my response, and it's funny because... But this is a rich neighborhood, and you do care. Yeah, no. but apparently no. nobody noticed this huge party and yeah. all the people coming and going, but they did notice a guy leaving yeah. in the middle of the one night dude. with one dude who probably looked like a drunk guy that he's mm-hmm. helping into a cab, and enough to tell what he looked like, nonetheless. I know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it. So that was a little weird, but, you know, for the sake of plot, let's just uh, let's go with that. So it's Dom yet again trying to take control of the situation, kind of being alone on that. That'll be an ongoing theme. Let me ask you, do we like Dom? Do we not like Dom? I like Mm -hmm. Dom, but at the same time, she's a bad guy slash good guy in real life. But in our narrative, she's a bad guy, right? I I like her from Newsroom. We've reviewed that a lot already, talking about is she the protagonist, is she the antagonist? You know, she's got qualities that we enjoy. She also has characteristics that I find strange they've attributed to her because they are quirky Mm -hmm. and sometimes less than likable. Yeah. Uh, I think that if she starts to have dealings more with Angie and perhaps offers some help in the situation she's found herself in, we will feel a lot better about her. Uh, Right. I'm sorry. I brought this up a few times now. But the reason why I keep bringing it up, because every time I watch the show, I'm still struggling with Conflicted. these emotions. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I was always in the camp of her coming over, but I don't know. Like, it feels like it could happen still, but I'm feeling more like 
she's a goody two shoes. She wants to like she believes in the law and she wants to bring them down. But I think she's gonna have to see both sides of it um, yeah. before she can make that decision. She's gonna have to see the F society part, the E court part, and the the bigger dark army white story. rose. Yeah. What 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 is going on? And I don't think she's gonna come over until that. So I don't think her. I don't think that's going to happen for maybe until the fourth season or the end of the third season. Well, and I think that you might have gotten close to that if things hadn't changed at the ending. Because when Angie says she was about to go give at least herself up and say that she did the femme to sell and whatever else, I think she was obviously talking about Dom that she was going to turn herself into, right? She was the last person that she interacted with before. This is before we saw her in this episode, basically. Mm-hmm. The last scene with Angela was with Dom coming into her Getting apartment. Getting her the food and stuff. Yeah, yeah and saying that, uh, look, if you, don't, if you don't come to me for help, someone's going to figure out, and you're going to be so much worse off if it's, if it's not for me. that's what it looks like happened. That's what she's, yeah, yeah. she's, Angela's, she's getting freaked out. But, but I, uh... I don't think she should be still. I mean, they don't really have anything on her. I, before you go to that, though, I think that's how close we were. I think right. she was trying to go to Dom, and if she would have started to talk a little bit and explain, then that's where we might have seen Dom coming over to this mm-hmm. side and understanding a little more. I mean, although Angie says she wasn't going to tell them about anybody else. I don't know. I don't see how that's possible. But how is that possible? It's impossible for her to say that she did this. For why? Why did she do this? Uh, On her own? You can do that? Really? You can infiltrate us and then hack into an E-Corp system and erase our security and erase this all our information about you being involved yeah. in this. And the reason Dom wants her is to find whoever else is involved. Right. We've been seeing she, that. Keep Dom working your way up the, the chain. The main person in this. Which, by the way, and just one more note, because we do have to keep moving through the synopsis, but... Oh, my God, this is going so long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> Seriously, we got to move on a little more. But, um, you know, how is nobody on to Elliot? Just a quick thing to think about. The fact that Gideon was about to go talk about him. Everybody knew that he worked at All Safe. Um, there should be plenty of people that have been aware of Elliot, and yet the FBI and everyone is on to everyone else in this operation, but and it Elliot. seems people right. don't even know who the hell Elliot is. Well, he was so very I'm, smart for going to jail then. I'm struggling <laughs> a little I, bit. I, I, I think his split personality is working very good for him covering tracks because there's no familiarity like you get caught when you're always doing the same thing over and over losing time having a personality do something else and then going to jail was one of the smartest moves ever because he's in prison for hacking someone else and it's almost like all of these things are still going on so publicly Right. And he's locked can't up. Believe yeah, for but that. He, he was, was in jail. He was at All Safe before all that. Right. He was at a job before that where he destroyed a server room. Yeah, he, but so was the blonde girl was, who they really the are who they're really after. And it's not it's a, and it's not just so is Angie. Now they've got a full guy in Cisco where they know like where they could say that he gave the C D in. Yeah, but Gideon knew that Elliot was up to something and you think he told nobody? Probably because it wouldn't be worth anything because Gideon knew something. 
not enough, and he loved Elliot enough to come to him first before he gave it up. Because you can't know. give up. He had a crush on Elliot. Well, what I mean is, whatever it was that you would not go to the FBI with that information, they would have been all over Elliot. If he had whispered anything and ended up dead, yeah. Elliot would have been locked yeah, he up. Was already, he was already in prison. He was easy access. I'm just saying, for everything that Dom has wound up figuring out, it's a bit fishy that nobody's well, on to him. Well, and I think also the FBI has been doing a horrible job. They don't know anything. Yeah, and the F FBI is so far away to me from anything. They're, they're almost suspect. compromised. They're not. Yeah. They're not really. They're not capable. Dom is one person, and she's the only one who knows. Or is acting like she knows. So I don't think she can get everything. I think she knows that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. She walked up to F Society. Think of how they're looking for F Society and there's been a giant sign that said F Society. And that's why <laughs> she's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, like, they don't know that a lawyer's been murdered. You know, they're so far behind. This episode, more than any other, have we felt like, the FBI is being compromised, especially Dom's boss. We feel like they're blundering their way through this, uh, that they can't be doing this accidentally. It has to be on purpose at this point that they're missing all of these things, that they're burning the house where they could come back to and catch them, where they're putting his picture out there, and that's going to tip off the... Uh, what is it? Dark Army. Dark Army, yeah. They're going to tip off the Dark Army and kill him before they get any actual information about what's going on. Yeah, two scenes from now, we see the FBI. They have a composite drawing from Ollie's testimony. There's one from a separate wit witness, the neighbor to Susan Jacobs. And this is where we see that it's the same guy. And that guy is Cisco. <clears throat> and Dom is saying this is fresh evidence. Yeah. So she wants to run with this, but Santiago is telling her, we're not going to do that. We're going to put out the bolo. He's insisting that she go to the media. She's saying exactly what you said. If they do that, this guy is dead. Mm -hmm. She's understanding how the Dark Army works. But he's saying it's time to embrace the Bureau's new direction and right. that she needs to go with it. So I don't know if it's him. I feel like it's coming from higher up. And are they trying to cover their ass? Are they doing this intentionally? Right. How far does the Dark Army go? We wondered if they were associated with the Regulatory Commission Board last time. It was feeling like that was a little too much, like their arm extended everywhere. But maybe right. that's what we're supposed to be seeing. I mean, I, I see that. I could see the higher up angle also, but I could also see the Santiago being compromised. I mean, uh, he wasn't downstairs for the shooting. Like, he mm -hmm. could have been tipped off. Yeah. And people told him, hey, maybe don't go downstairs today. Uh, it might be better for your health. Maybe you're, you're looking a little peakish. You mm -hmm. might want to stay in the room for a little longer yeah, today. And then maybe uh, this tip is, look, we can get you at any time or we can get your family or you, like, you should listen to us. And maybe for us doing this for you, you should give us a little information. My problem with Santiago being turned was how turned was he? Why did they need the femme to sell then if they already had this right. guy in a high right. position? Yes. What do they need to go through all this trouble for? They why can just get they, the information from him. Why are they playing with Angie so right. much? If if their reach even extends to E Corp and to that regulatory commission, why are they letting her run amok? Is it right. to see what she'll do so that they can find F Society and 
if they need to do that, why aren't they on to them? You know, it's, it gets a little bit weird. Right. But I can definitely see what you're saying. And skipping back to that scene we didn't talk about, which was a brief one but kind of key, we see Mr. Sutherland driving Elliot. Elliot telling him that if he wants this done tonight, he needs hardware, so they're on their way to this micro center. And a brief note as they're driving, he's seeing everything on the streets, the people in masks, the garbage piling up, the people lined up at the ATM with $50 limit sign. And Elliot says, is this the future I was fighting for? The system is hung. It's frozen in limbo. Did we lose the fight? Maybe Ray was right all along. Maybe wars aren't meant to be won, but continuous. So it's easy to forget that he hasn't been seeing the after effects because he's been in prison. This is his first view of the new world order, and he's very upset about it. How could you not be? I mean, but the the thing is, is he knew it was going to be hard. He said it beforehand. It's going to be hard after this happens. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the hardest part of the whole thing is going to be right (laughs) after we do it when we're unsure. I mean, that's what it's going to be. We don't know what's going to happen. See, but to me, it's not about hard. It's back to what I was saying with the technocracy. Like, you want to manipulate the system, but you can only get manipulated into the system. You can't really manipulate it. So E-Corp is what he threw out his credit card for because we're using E-Coins now. So what you've done is you've made one of the most powerful people transition into a point where they don't even need to pay people money while they can develop a brand new cryptocurrency yeah. that everybody's using in wake of them not being able to give people it's their like money. They, made them they more can't powerful. sell their asset. So, because he hasn't gotten to stage two yet. And that's supposedly what we've been theorizing that stage two is going to be about continuing to go after this and not letting that happen, but it's already in play. Yeah. We don't know. So the whole thing with a company that's that big, it just moved into the electronic world and he did a revolution that kind of brought their evolution. Yeah. So now they've rised up as a company, right? There's no, I don't even hear any rivals for their e-coin. That's well, what they, everybody's using. It's like they have a monopoly on the only trusted currency. Now that normal currency isn't really trustworthy as far as liquid and being able to get assets. And that's kind of interesting in the world we're in with Bitcoins right now. So right. They, I, find, I mean, they mentioned Bitcoin. It's there in pictures and it stuff. It is there, yeah. But even when they go to Micro Center... Is that where they went? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a sign that said, buy with e-coin 20% off. Right. Yeah, well, the public is probably viewing this as an emergency situation, a tactic that they're using until things can get back to normal, not realizing that this is the new normal they anticipated. But I think that Elliot probably did prepare for some of this. That probably is the moving into phase two that he talked Mm -hmm. about where he has to continue to take them down. And he just wasn't quite prepared for what the reality would be like day to day for the stuff that he's now confronted with. Right. Uh, another key thing happened in this car ride where he asks Robot who he thinks is calling Joanna. Right. And Robot brushes it off. He just says, you know, people hate her by association. And he's clearly uncomfortable with this line of questioning. It did bring me over to your thinking mm-hmm. in that robots manipulating him because he so obviously doesn't want him go- going into that right. like oh no just move on it's, yeah, it's, exactly. you know don't talk about that uh and so now they get to the micro center where elliot is getting his supplies these burner phones a new laptop and the phone that joanna gave him rings and this is where we hear the breathing and elliot's looking around frantically the call drops he says it can't be him can it 
And Robot is conveniently gone. Gone. In that moment. No, he's got no response to that. So. It's very convenient. Not even no response. He had right, he's just out of there. Right. So, <clears throat> if it's... What's going on? Tyrell calling him and Robot's trying to shut him up. He doesn't want him to find out. Well, we know that Mr. Robot said he killed him, right? No, well, he said he shot him. Right, okay. But if it's the fact that either... Uh, I'm thinking that his lie there that he was trying to do to protect him mm-hmm. might be compromised, so he just disappeared. Right. Perhaps. That's, that's, yeah, that's the way it's going. He, he's not dead. He just wants Elliot to stop asking questions about him. The easiest way to make Elliot stop asking questions is let him believe what he already thinks happened. Disappearing doesn't help that, though. No, not just at all. Like, that's what makes me wonder if somebody else is taking over in that moment because it's the only thing that would account for Robot not being there. That doesn't help for right. him to just totally bounce out because now Elliot could get further clues to this situation. But if something else was overtaking... You right. would see robot necessarily being pushed to the side. Do you think that may, if it is something else that, that there is another alt, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's what was happening in the last episode. Why they were feeling all this friction? Yeah, maybe there's another trying alt to because push both of them out. I was a little. We didn't see any of that in this episode about this new way where there where he's seeing robot talking to other people right. and he's being blocked off from it so this didn't happen in the episode at all that was only in the one episode and i'm like was that just something that they were doing as a gimmick for one episode i you know? think that if that theory is true and there is another alter who is trying to take over and that's the glitchiness that the two mm-hmm. of them were being threatened to be pushed out at the moment so that this third person could take over that it's happening when he's confronted with these really intense situations. So mm-hmm. when Elliot was trying to go and talk to them as Mr. Robot, getting closer to phase two, which if Robot genuinely doesn't know about that, and it's the third alter who's doing this, anytime they get too close to that, he would have to take back over. Right. And they haven't broached that Yeah. in this episode. True. They haven't come near those questions. I so. think that conflicts with my theory of Robot hiding things from him. Obviously, if it's a third, but... Well, no, because he could be hiding things if he has some inkling what the third altar is like and he's protecting Elliot from that. Well, yeah, you were you said earlier that uh, sometimes the base doesn't know all the other personalities, but the other personalities Do. are aware of each other. Yeah. So... He could maybe. be trying to protect Elliot from that, whatever that is. But do you think that we've seen this other alt and we don't know who it is? I think uh, it's us, right? Yeah. You were saying it's us. I was thinking it's us. Um, and if it, but I meant in action, like a, a person doing something. No, I think that it's probably taking over at times. Like the way we saw Elliot losing those nighttime hours mm-hmm. and totally ascribing that to robot. I don't know if that was always robot. Right. You know, I think that maybe this thing could be taking over at those times. And so if neither of us is seeing it, it wouldn't be on screen. That's right. We probably need to buy his journal. It's probably in there. Because his boss, Gideon, got killed, and it seemed that Mr. Robot tried to and wanted to kill him, but really couldn't. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, Mr. Robot talks big, but it almost seems like he's actually not powerful enough and incapable of actually going out with murder. Yeah. So that alter ego could have did that, and that alter ego could be responsible for Tyrell's 
murder as well. Or disappearance, yeah. Right, that could be why robots hiding. Hiding, like, yo, because this mm-hmm. other alt. And I think that's the one calling on the phone. Right. The phone isn't actually ringing. It's not actually happening, but it's this third person. But Joanna is hearing it, and she described it as not actually talking. I mean, that could just feed into it when Elliot has the phone and make that become a reality. Um, Also, the alt could be the one that's killing the other F Society members. Like, it could be killing Romero, and that could have been, or set it up so that Romero was killed. Yeah. Well, and we don't know what's going on with Trent and Mobley. When you look at the description going back to DID and the way they talk about it, they say that while the baseline might not be aware of the alters on a necessarily conscious or realistic level, they might have clues to it in the form of hallucinations or delusions. So right. things that he's seeing that he didn't think were true could actually mm-hmm. be that. And that throws the whole thing into another light. But just to bring this back, because we do have something to talk about in the next couple of scenes. First, quickly, we have the hospital one scene where Cisco is scrolling through the phone and reading the transcripts of the conversation, asking what Elliot has to do with stage two. And Darlene saying she was hoping Cisco would know, which is also a little fishy, because if it was robot coordinating stage two you would think Darlene would have some inkling but anyway they can't just leave Vincent they're at the hospital and she's admitting that Cisco is right she's not special that Elliot is the one so this takes us into an incredibly intense scene where Elliot returns home and you're cutting back and forth Darlene is talking about this childhood situation, how it's always been Elliot. She's sharing this story with Cisco about their family trip to Coney Island when they were kids. Somehow she got lost, but she wasn't scared. She loved it. An old woman picked her up and took her away. They went to Nathan's where she told her she could have anything she wanted, which apparently was an amazing experience for her because her parents never did that. She said she felt special for the first time. She was then driven to this woman's house where she started to feel like something wasn't right, but she showed her her room, which had a bed with curtains around it. She felt like a princess. Bottom line, she thought this was her new home and her new life, that her wish had come true. But the next morning, the police came and took her home, and she never saw the woman again. She often wonders, though, what her life would have been like if she had stayed. The only thing that pulls her back from that fantasy was, she said, if so, I wouldn't have Elliot. So this goes back to the question of how incredibly messed up was her home life that she actually preferred to be kidnapped by a woman. What was wrong with her that she wasn't scared being lost in this uh, moment and she actually loved the thrill of being away from her family and having this time on her own? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there was abuse Mm -hmm. from the mother. And we caught glimpses of that in the night in the flashback with Elliot Absolutely. that he saw it going on, uh, or at least had know, knew that something was going on and mm-hmm. attributed to that. But he maybe not the full extent. But this is what Darlene has been dealing with, and a lot of time a parent will focus mm. on one child. Yeah. Do you think that Elliot could have at some point during childhood tried to stick up for Darlene and stop this from happening and maybe that's the altercation that led to him and his father and getting pushed out the window? Perhaps. Maybe. I was waiting for that in the story, Mm -hmm. like for this, like the Elliot hero 
you know, coming to like, I was waiting for him to come and save her from this woman that took her away or something like that for some reason that Darlene has this huge bond, you know, towards him other than them just being brother and sister and growing up together. But we never see that. And if Darlene did, in fact, get it so much worse than Elliot, you think you would see some feelings of resentment or, you know... Like Elliot was the chosen one, right? That there should be some jealousy some on angst Darlene's yeah. part over, that? over yeah. how much attention I, I, he was is getting. Elliot older, uh, yeah, yes. By how much? Like, do we know? I don't. Know. I don't think it's much. I think they mentioned once, maybe a couple years. Irish twins. I'm making that up. That's but true. I think maybe it's because like Elliot. I think Elliot is the smart one. I think he is the hacker, and I think yeah. maybe he showed her how to do all these things. I yeah. think like. They're like like a real protege, like I, I, you know, how he treats her, and then he can always damn near count on her to take care of him as well. So I think they have a bond, like in that sense, and you know, it they, they really do look like brother and sister, and like he's the only one who doesn't judge her, and it almost looks like she would have to take care of him. Within that crazy household. Maybe, yeah, but yeah. what about, real quick, what about, what if, think about this. What if she's the one that's the volatile one? And she's the one that kind of disrupted the family. Hmm. Remember last season, he forgot that she was his sister. Right. Mm-hmm. If she was always the one that protected him, he wouldn't have forgotten that. Because this whole thing with having Mr. Robot as a personality and whoever the third one is, is to protect him. Right. He wouldn't forget the real person that is there always protecting him. Yeah, and I think it goes so far as to that personality had to protect both of them. And that's why I bring this up, because we see in the flashback scene where she asks him to put on the coat. She asks him to put on the mask. It's almost like this is something they've done before, that she knows she can bring out Robot, this Mm. other persona, to protect both of them in times of need. She actually said at one point later on, I don't need you, I need Robot. Yes. Like, that's something that goes back very far, and maybe he had to develop this very early on as a child, and it was something they could both utilize, and who knows how far that went. But I think there has to be some element of him helping her and protecting her, in order for those feelings to, to go back to childhood that he was the only thing good. Or maybe it just might honestly just be the third person. Or that too, depending on how far it had to go. Yeah, because, I mean, it might have been that third person that, that had to do it because Mr. Robot is a representation of the father who definitely is not protecting Darlene, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't see much love of the representation of his father for Darlene. Right. Absolutely. I love this podcast, especially <laughs> when we have all four of us here. Mm-hmm. We have so many different angles, and that's why it goes longer, but I think right. it's worth it. Yeah, well, and we have another section here where we're going to have to get into something, too. But after that, it should kind of flow through the remainder of this scenes pretty quickly. Uh, right. But no, I, had a, I had a theory, and I wanted to go back to it before... Uh, it was really before we even got into this segment, and it was just, and I'm just throwing this out there, if what if Ray is the alternate personality, maybe as the warden, as the guy that set up this uh, tour website, and he's the badass, and he's telling his men that, like, look, if I get into this, it's really more like a fight club thing, like, you, you know, oh, <laughs> 
he told us you'd say that. Oh, he definitely told us you'd say that. It's like, uh, you know, Ed Norton pretending to be Tyler Durden. So you're saying Ray is still in the picture? With I'm saying that Ray is, Elliot is Ray. No. No, I think Ray was kind of a throwaway. Not that he, no. I don't want to get into this argument. Uh, we, okay. No. This is a long enough podcast. <laughs> okay. Please, we really need to move on. But no, no more Elliot is someone. Right. <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking along the lines is, is have we seen this alt before? And if he could be much worse than Robot, that Robot has to protect Elliot. Yeah, from him. Let's tell your fans investigate and find this third person that's yeah, been out there. Don't right. tell us Tyrell because we've investigated yeah. that enough. Yeah. We get that enough. It's I not know Darlene or Angie. I know that he's an extreme personality, and that's why people probably gravitate towards that idea. Um, but I think that Esmail has not put him in plain sight. So it's either us, this very weird other um, aspect that we haven't fully understood yet, or somebody that we haven't seen. Let's see. the The best episode would be the one that did not have Elliot in it. That'd be probably the best one to find out if it's us. Yes, right. I agree. So back to the scene where Elliot is making the high powered antenna to piggyback off the Wi Fi. He's getting texts from Claudia Kincaid, which, if we remember, is the code name for Angela, or A, as it's coming up on his screen. Essentially, what's happening here is he's hacking into the NYPD database to get this mobile exigent circumstance form. He tells us all cell carriers have a law enforcement hotline and you can ask them to track a blocked call for you. So he fills out the form, he faxes it. We see later that it's for a suicidal person. He's able to kind of hack in because only the NYPD would use an antiquated fax system. And he's later able to impersonate the cop and all of that. But first, as he's beginning this hack, Mr. Sutherland starts talking to him about working for crazy people, quote-unquote. And Elliot begins to drown him out by focusing on us, Mm -hmm. which before everybody gets into that clue-searching thing is a big thing. We have seen him drown out the rest of the world, such as what happened in Times Square. We've seen him push things out when he doesn't want to know and go into this entirely different real fantasy world. And he does that by focusing on us. So, again, who are we? And in this circumstance, it's what's able to have him think a little more clearly. He starts saying, is Mr. Robot afraid of what I might find when I'm done with this hack? Why did the phone call freak him out? Is he afraid it's Tyrell? He kept wanting us to come back home. There must be something here he needs. He's been bringing it up since we left prison. So he asks us to help him look and see if we see anything. This has sparked tons of conversation because the camera now pans around the room and gives us a look at his apartment. So let me tell you what some of the theories were. Somebody was kind enough to post those freeze frame shots of the room, which Mm. are lightened up a little bit, and we can put that on our Twitter feed so that you can take a look. At CKC Podcast, we're going to put all those up there. So I think there's like five or six shots, and it's still very, very difficult to see anything. However, Reddit and other podcasts have been blowing up, and some of the things they've come up with are that it's something in the Back to the Future 2 DVD case, because Elliot mentions that to Angie later. 
that it's something stored as a file in Elliot's DVDs where he marks things off. If we remember, there's a blank one where he supposedly hacked himself to remove his own history. That might have a lot of information. Uh, there could actually be a surveillance camera in his home. When they pan around the room, it is happening from very high up, as though it's some type of camera that's hidden up near the ceiling. It does look like that. So there might be footage, and this could play into my theory, that it could be this other altar doing something, walking around the room. Mm -hmm. Or for those of you who are into the robot theory, it could be him trying to steal something. Because along those lines, we see that there's mail on one of his tables. And in a scene where they did come back home, we saw a robot going through something mm -hmm. by that front table, which could have been mail, and kind of stopping when Elliot calls him on that. So their speculation, is this a letter? Maybe the one that we were supposed to get from White Rose with the stage two plans. Yeah. So maybe a robot came in and stole that so Elliot wouldn't find out about it. On the bottom left of the frame, there is also a brown journal that we've never seen before. So we know the kind of journal Elliot writes in. This looks to be different. On the bottom right of the frame, there's an open book on an end table. And you can see kind of a light shining on that. Uh, the... I believe director, no, I'm sorry, producer, somebody who was responsible for this episode, maybe the writer, told us to look at the bottom right of the frame in an interview. Right. But on the left side, the table that has the light on it is a red light, and we know that's been indicating some very important things, mm. um, maybe sinister things happening in this season. Yeah, usually death. So all of those are really great ideas, but I like this one the best. Somebody on Reddit said, I don't think we should be looking. That's a misdirect. Later in the show, in the subway scene, the posters behind Elliot and Angela talk about sound, hearing, and listening. So it says, phase, excellent audio for discerning listeners. Could be S-Mail trying to tell us, it's not something you're seeing here. It's something mm -hmm. you're supposed to be hearing. There's also a lot of audio clues in this episode. For example, in one of the early scenes in Joanna's apartment, there's a radio scanner playing noise throughout the entire scene. So this Reddit user said, after doing a pass to check for hidden messages on the audio file, which is clearly a hidden message similar to known stenography of sound files, although it seems the compression has garbled it and she wasn't able to decode it further, so I don't think there's been a definitive answer yet uh, or people able to find out this Easter egg, which is actually kind of unusual. Yeah. Um, normally they're onto this very quickly. However, there was such an Easter egg hidden, I think, in episode five where they were able to decrypt the audio file mm. and it wound up being the poster of the cat right. saying, hang in there, baby. Yeah. So it could be something similar happened here. Yeah, I thought there was something wrong with my audio. When that was going on, I'm like, am I playing two videos at the same time? I don't know what's yes. going on here. This Is this going through the entire episode? I had to, like, look at another feed to try to see if, uh, I, was, if I was going crazy or not. Yeah, and we do get a lot of that audio stuff. NewYorkTimes.com actually said something pretty amazing when they were talking about Dom going out into the city streets. They said... She heads out into the dark streets, cluttered with uncollected trash, sparsely populated by strapped civilians searching for her quarry. Lights dim as she runs into the direction of the few restaurants left open at this time of night. With E-Corps rolling blackouts providing her the atmosphere of a dark fairy tale, slowly our main vector of information shifts from sight to sound. The slap of her shoes on pavement, the buzz of failing electrical wires, the keening whir of car alarms, 
squealing tires stopping short in the sudden absence of streetlights, the pulsating hum and ominous strings of composer Matt Quayle's score. So there is that audio theme running throughout everything this episode, which is pretty amazing. Every episode, really. But um, going back to that scene, I thought, I love when they, when Elliot puts it on us because then I like sit up I'm like all right what are we supposed to find what are we supposed to do man Mm -hmm. oh I love that mystery yeah this is great um it reminded me also of the virtual reality Mm. uh, yeah mini movie that they did yeah and also the angle because he made us go when Elliot got really high Mm -hmm. stoned right uh we went high up mm-hmm. in the air. Yeah, the I mean, I was getting high during it. <laughs> Just like this pan around. It was a clear foreshadowing. And in fact, a lot of fans went back to rewatch that video to see if anything had changed mm. oh. from that time till now and mm-hmm. a couple of minor things. But it's so dark in the room in both scenes. Things are very far away. They tried like zooming in on stuff and lightening things. Yeah. I think it's going to have to be something just sort of very obvious because it is hard to see in that mm-hmm. shot. It's on purpose hard to see. I have, uh, I don't know if this is true. Um, I couldn't find it. Someone wrote, when the camera scans the apartment, it lands on the top corner of a bookshelf on the gun. Uh, really? The gun that was in the popcorn. I didn't see any of I that on Reddit. I didn't see it. And it's not someone that wrote to us. I would have said your name. Um, I read like hundreds of freaking blogs yeah, and everything. Yeah, me too, and so I didn't I see didn't, that. I didn't have that. I have another one. I'm not going to go through it because of time. Uh, but I have this other one that I do want to talk about, which is a GQ article, which GQ I go to often enough because it's pretty good. They this one, he was against episode 10. He hated it. Mm. Wow. He was talking about season two sucks and all this stuff. And here's just a little verbiage about this particular scene. Even as I leaned forward and squinted at the screen, obliging to the show's latest metafictional gambit. <laughs> I couldn't help but roll my eyes. Is this really the most interesting thing for the Mr. Robot to be doing when the season finale is just one week away? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are people expecting from the show? Like, well, I understand what he's saying. I understand the criticism of we've really taken it to the extreme now of this being kind of a different show when your creator is talking through your main character saying... Here's one of those things, like the games that we see on the internet, that yeah. there's a screen and you have to pull out the clue and yet it's too dark and you can't see anything. And he just wants Reddit to go nuts yes. for the I, next week. Yeah. And is that a little bit like pandering and kind of... That's doing, how I felt. It's Elliot. You got something on you. I, yeah, I, I didn't fall. I, I saw it as pandering to Reddit to go down into this rabbit hole to search all those things. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Mm-hmm. Let Reddit do that. I don't want to spend this much time on it. It could be anything. There could be a million different things it could be. We're just panning around a room. Somebody's yeah. going to make up a story for every single and they thing have. in that room. <laughs> they have. So shout the out. There's no way yeah. we're going to know what this is until it's revealed to us. So it's just not about it. And I was like, okay, like... I don't need this right now. But it's not rolling your eyes worth. It was an inter- like It was fun. It was interactive. It was like, "Oh, let's sit up and let's watch and the- can we find anything? Can we find anything?" And this whole like people going against Smell right now, like why go against him? This is his creation and let's go for the ride. Why are there rules? Why are we saying 
episode one was so great because it went against the rules of normal shows, especially in USA. Mm-hmm. We love it. And now we're saying, like, SML is just fucking with us. Go back to the rules. Let's enjoy right, the ride. Well, because people feel like they're being manipulated. You right. know, like, you don't want to feel like you're, like... Like well, with these I'm reveals. Like like right now. But what I'm saying is, in the first season, everyone knew after a while, just like in this season, mm-hmm. that there was something up, that it was... Like uh, there was a Fight Club sense going mm-hmm. on here that there were two per- two personalities in one. Right. We didn't maybe know that it was the father for a long time, but we knew right. that Mr. Robot and Elliot were the same person. Right. In season two, we we had this reveal going on. We knew early on that it was a prison, or that was the idea. I wasn't. I I really wasn't happy with that, but uh, you know, I went along with it, but. Eventually, when you start to feel manipulated, you, you're going to resist against it because then what's the you feel like you're being manipulated the whole time. Yeah. Well, like the cliffhangers that wind up in reveals that really aren't very interesting and don't come back to it. And the really feeling thrown around in all of this and then something like this where you're really excited to find the clues. And then the shot you get is like you literally can't. I mean, if you spend yeah. hours and hours dissecting and then you're going down robot holes that don't really lead anywhere. And I think you're going to come back to it next episode. And it's going to have to be something that's obvious enough that the regular viewers who haven't searched right. Reddit for hours will understand. Right. Because you can't have your reveal be something that you're not going to get if you haven't done that. Or the real reveal is some guy on the couch that really wasn't that important. Well, you know, that's these are the conversations I always have with Ryan and uh, Tom. I and I usually tell people that's what art is for. The the artist is given his perspective. And an artist might just be telling you about like everything that's going on in Reddit. He might be um using you as a metaphor. I mean, Elliot has had us and has lied to us and been able to make us see things that weren't really happening and then reveal them when they wanted to. So I think that holds true to the show. Then he's asking us to participate. And he's always talking to us. Now he has us actually doing something. Whether it is leading you down something, maybe they are manipulating you. But that's what art is supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Songs can do it. When an artist right. is drawing a and everybody has it. an opinion on it and it might be something leading into something and then it's not. Or even when someone's using a video game and there's something pointless there and everybody's discussing it and everybody thinks something is going on and come up with their own theories. You know, that's what art is. And I don't think an artist should ever play by rules because it's your own expression and everybody uses their own interpretation to try to figure it out. And it all comes from within. So I don't ever think there should be a rule or, oh, he was just manipulating us. Maybe he was. Maybe that's a metaphor for anything. Your frustration should be what you feel, but it doesn't make it any less of quality art when your frustration is there. And I think I'll give him benefit of the doubt from season one to season two. Everything he's done to me has been true to his art. I don't think it's just, oh, it's just for... Reddit people to look. He put something there. Right. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt as to what it is. Yeah. Because you you haven't seen the full picture yet. And people were complaining the first three episodes. As I'm seeing the full picture as where it is now, it's so chock full of all of this information and clues yeah. and 
he might be throwing you off and everything. And it's quite fun because even when he's not throwing you off and he's just he hides things in plain sight. And then he tells you to go look for something and then maybe you should not be looking because he's telling you to look. And then when he doesn't say anything, he hides something in plain sight. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, because you you guys are all saying and then contradicting what you're saying. Okay, because so this is art and it is inspiring you to feel a certain way. And it's totally valid if you fucking hate it, just like it's totally valid if you think it's the greatest thing in the world. So us saying we don't get these people that are criticizing Esmail. And then on the other hand, like I was one of those people in the first part of the season that's saying, well, this is very different than season one. And I fell in love with a show that's now changing a lot. And I'm allowed to not like the first three episodes episodes if you I don't like allowed. them. Yes. You know, and so then you get people that are writing into us saying, well, Esmail's a genius and just trust what he's doing. Well, I don't need to do that. I'm a person. Right. I can think for myself. I don't have to trust him if I don't want to. And if I want right. to stop watching Mr. Robot tomorrow, I'm very free to do that. No, you're right. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying any of that's true. I really do like this show and I'm going to keep watching it. Obviously I'm doing a podcast on it. But the point is whatever feeling you're having right now about this show, that's okay. Yes. Right. No, it's okay. Well, I'm not right. saying it's not okay. What I'm saying is that the the first three episodes not liking it is fine. When we when like and that's the conversation I've had at work. When we've gotten into the particulars as to why though, that's when I'm like, well, you can trust it. I don't think he's a genius because I there's things that I didn't get in the first three episodes, but I always look at things that I'm not seeing the whole picture. Sometimes even a whole season goes by, and I've looked at shows, and then I was like, oh, I get what he's trying to say now. So I tend not to the the episodes, and it's and it's completely fine to judge those episodes because yeah. let's say I'm just waiting to see, and you are immediately judging and saying this is why I don't like it. That all will help tell the story of what he might been have been trying to do, right? Frustrate mm-hmm. you. Maybe they right. weren't good, and but maybe you see where he was going. So I don't think it's wrong to not like the first three episodes, feel their long one. That might have been what he was doing to possibly do a setup. So I might be waiting for it and be like, okay, yeah. this might be the setup. And then it might have just been too long. I might go back and be like, okay, I see what he's trying to do, but... I see why people were frustrated. He didn't need mm-hmm. to do all of this. And maybe it's not easy to get everything, but it's okay to criticize. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Well, just you were talking about painters and artists. When uh, you watch an artist paint, his first couple of layers of paint might look like shit and it might be boring. Like, what is he doing? This just looks like shit. And then right. before you know it, all of a sudden he's putting on the next layer that's using the original layer and creating something else different. And you're like, oh, I see something materializing there. Have you seen and those painters that uh, they'll do paint it upside down. upside down and then all mm. of a sudden Bruce they'll flip Lee it over yeah. and yeah. it's like, oh my God, I can't believe this turned into this. You just see them painting like yeah. outlines or like the silhouette Nothing or, or you whatever. Can, yeah. You can't discern what it is and then you're like, oh wait, I'm kind of seeing something going yes. on here. And then they flip and you're yeah. like, holy shit! <laughs> but Christina, you're right. And I think I was right too. We're all right. There's, there's no, there's. It, my problem is when you go from blog to blog, and everyone's like, "Smell lost his shit." Blah blah blah. No. These cemented things where, like, you, you are right to have your opinion. But when an artist finally gets on USA, finally gets the green light to mm-hmm. be creative, make a couple episodes too long, make your people frustrated a little right. bit. He's yeah. messing with our emotions, and that's amazing. Uh, no, and <laughs> because you feel that way. Yeah. 
But the thing is, Other people won't. You know, if some people came into season two, weren't seeing what they got in season one, didn't really like it as much, which they're free to do. Yes. They could now turn around and there's a million shows on TV. And TV yes. has gotten to the point where so Netflix, many networks are everything. creating very, very quality shows that you could just turn around and stop watching Mr. Robot. You don't want to wait until the end of the season to find out what his setup was and the fact that everything makes sense. And I see the picture now. You also have to keep your viewers interested. Mm -hmm. So even if you're setting up for the long haul, you have to keep them hooked because they might just turn around and drop it before they ever get to the point. Yes. And sometimes an artist who knows the end is going to be amazing forgets that early on and you know you could just lose people so i think that some of the criticisms are that esmail has gotten a little bit caught up in his story mm -hmm. and maybe being the only person so intimately involved has kind of affected it a little bit mm -hmm. whether for the good or the bad he is completely in charge of his vision now and he is getting a lot of free reign so that could go one way or the other and we happen to really love the show but, um, yeah, I mean, your opinions... Well, that's, that, that's what it is. The worst part is, like, what you were saying about an artist, they tend not to care about the things like that, that other people, like a network exec is going to come in and be like, we're losing people <laughs> because <laughs> their stuff is too long and an yeah. artist doesn't care. Yeah. So, like, you know, when Game of Thrones first came in, HBO was so concerned that the lead actor is going to be killed off in the first season. And they were like, we can't do that. Keep him on for another season. They're like, what do you mean you're going to kill the lead? Mm -hmm. yeah. This man is damn near typecast because we can show you three other movies where he's <laughs> played the same character. Yeah. And you're going to kill him off in the first season. People are not going to trust us again. Like, that never happens. And they had to trust the man with the art. They had to allow him to yes. be long-winded. But you're absolutely right. That's the thing that can happen with art is that you get long-winded. Look, it's it's only because of this podcast and my group of friends who watch it why I'm waiting that long for these long-ass episodes yeah. that drag on. Not everybody has the time, man. I mean, You win or you lose on that gamble, Jamal, big yeah. time. Yeah. We got Netflix out right now bringing it. We got HBO bringing it. Mm -hmm. Showtime's bringing it. So right now... You hey, and we're in an information age with Twitter where everybody likes their information short, concise, doesn't even matter if it's incorrect, but everything's yep. fast. <laughs> you can lose out. Then you're you're absolutely right. Sometimes you may need to be concerned with that, but hey, maybe USA doesn't have a lot going on for it right now. They don't, and I'm so happy that they took this gamble because I happen yes. to think that you're yeah. correct and I happen to think that this show is really good. Um and I do agree with you that what I don't like is when people start to get like, this is not just my opinion, this is truth. What I'm saying is the only way uh, to yes. think. Uh, this show sucks, and if you think otherwise, you're dumb. I mean, you know, we've even occasionally here or there got people that wrote into us and said, your theory is absolutely ridiculous, and you're yeah. dumb for thinking it. Well, the point is, you haven't seen to the end of the show, so you don't even know if that theory is right or yes. not. You can't right. just automatically say you're wrong for thinking that way, because you don't know. Are you S-mail? <laughs> you know? And the fun is thinking of it. Right. The fun yeah. is going through the journey. So I do happen to agree with you. I just think, you know, have your opinions. That's great. That's what we're here for the podcast about. But be open to other mm -hmm. ways of yeah. thinking, too. Look, I'm fine with all of that. But um, in this scene in particular, we're getting back to where he tells us to look around the room. I, I, don't, I don't like being manipulated or feeling like I'm being manipulated. I mean, everything... 
all words are manipulation, really. When you're having a conversation, you're trying to sway someone's uh, point of your point of view onto them. You're trying to give them yeah. your side of it. So you're always being manipulated. But I don't feel like I'm being manipulated, mm. you know, in a normal conversation, or else I would not talk to anyone. <laughs> but uh, I just don't. I don't like that feeling of being manipulated. But this scene made me feel like I'm being manipulated into delving in and looking around the apartment. And that's what I didn't like out of it. And that's why I was like, I'll let everyone else deal with that and wait for him to tell me that, you know, that's, I didn't like this scene in general, him asking, I liked him talking to us. I just didn't like him saying, can you find anything in here? Why don't you look for all this stuff? (laughs) I felt the same way you felt. And I, but I loved it because of that. As soon as he said to look, I felt exactly the way I'm like, wait, I'm not going to look because this is, this is a betrayal of everything else that I've ever seen before. (laughs) So Something is happening here, but I should not look because he's asking me to look. And I decided I just blocked that whole thing out and I was just waiting. You're well, being Jamal, very Ryan about it. I'm very contrarian. <laughs> Jamal, that's that's why I like what you're saying because I took it the same way, but I went down the hole of he's saying, look, don't look, listen. Right. Because then he's got yeah, all these things get. and all the clues that I just went through with you before, I came to the point of I think it's going to be hidden somewhere in the audio. Yes. And so I'm not adept enough to figure out what that is. But if you have figured something out with the audio, please write in and let us know. I have a feeling that's going to be the answer, and I'm very excited to find out what it is. Contact at coffeeclatscrew.com. And getting back to this episode, we go next to the scene, Hospital 2, where a nurse tells Darlene and Cisco that Vincent's wounds aren't fresh. You know, they lie and say they found him like that. And they need to do more tests on Vincent, so they, they should come back. They did find him like that. I mean, just not at his apartment. Right. They don't tell her the whole truth, obviously. So she tells them to come back in an hour, and this is when they make the fateful decision to leave and get food and come back. Um, Now we go back to Elliot, and we see the second end of his hack on the NYPD, where he's calling in and impersonating a cop so that he can get the company to ping Tyrell's phone. You know, he tells him that this guy called his girlfriend's cell saying he was going to shoot himself. Can you see if it's one of yours? And when they ping it... Elliot gets the location, which is a residence on 92 East 82nd Street. To which Mr. Sutherland says, I know where this is. Trust me, he wouldn't be calling from that house. Right. Then he bounces. Mm-hmm. And then he takes off to go to oh. this house, I guess. So this is a big deal. It means a lot. I don't know. I don't have a theory. Um and just for the sake of keeping this podcast moving along, we're over two hours right now. Anyone have a theory? Yes. Oh, okay. I quickly just want to share because we got a writer. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, um, who wrote awesome. in about this, Lewis. And he said that he believes Scott Knowles is behind the mystery calls, mm-hmm. which I actually agree with. That was my first thought mm-hmm. after this episode, um, that we know we've seen Scott going at it with Joanna, that he knows... Tyrell killed his wife. He's still upset about that. He's looking for some kind of revenge. You could very very easily see him having done something right. to Tyrell and having some kind of information about his whereabouts. And so if that is, in fact, Scott Knowles' house, we know that this is a nice area uh, where they're talking about the address. Um, so it could maybe make sense that that's where they live or mm. at least somewhere close by where he could have dumped the phone. If the henchman Shit. knows the name... If uh, Mr. Sutherland knows that address just by mm-hmm. looking at it, it's got to be somebody that 
they're fairly intimate with that he would yeah. recognize. Um, so I think that makes sense. So what I, well, I don't know if anyone else did, but I immediately stopped hit pause on, on my, on my, uh, on the episode and looked up the address for this. And, uh, I did too. I looked Google around Maps. to see on Google maps, what, what was there, if there was some kind of Easter egg there or anything yeah. like that. And the only thing that's there, well, actually there's two things that are there. And one thing I didn't catch right away, but the one thing was, is that there's a PC repair shop there. Yes. And I, I saw was that like, too. What? There's a PC repair shop there. Is this for real? Like, maybe this is some kind of clue. So the next day, me and Tom uh, at the office, we called them up. And uh, he called them up and talked to them and asked him. Uh, he said he yeah, was having a problem with his computer and stuff like that. And it seemed like a legit place. This place actually would go to uh, your wherever you're living and pick up your computer to repair it. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing I thought was interesting is back to the, what was the Kincaid? The Cla- Claudia. Claudia Kincaid. Mm-hmm. And the, that in that story, they would always go to the Met, her and her brother. They would run away and go to the Met, right? In that? that A Queen's Museum, maybe? Well, she said that they went to the Queen's Museum, but in the story, they oh, went oh, to the right. Met. Oh, right, okay. In the yep. story, they go to the Met. This is actually uh, like a block away from the Met. The 80, it's yes, like it 82nd is. Yep. Street is right, right in the middle of the Met right. if you go down from it. It's very, the, very close. So I don't know uh, if there's a relationship there also. The thing is, Sutherland saying immediately he wouldn't go there right. leads you to believe it's somebody that is not friendly. Right. Towards For sure. Tyrell and the one big person we know about that that's happening with is Scott Knowles. I agree with the Scott Knowles thing. I'm just telling you. This is a little I like thing. That. Yeah, I no, Googled it too. Yeah. Google mapped it. They're great. Um, and if you have any other ideas on that, we would love to hear about it. We go back over to the FBI, um, who's now breaking into Cisco's house, and Dom finds the ID, the library card mm-hmm. for Cisco that says Francis Shaw, which the kind of fun little nod there is that Frankie Shaw was the actress who played Shayla in season one. And now Darlene and um, Elliot have experienced losing Frankie Shaw. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Um, so we cut to the hospital where the nurse sees the news report with the sketch and she recognizes it. We know we're in trouble now. And here's where we begin jumping back and forth very quickly. Um, Elliot sees the text from Angie saying that she needs to meet with him urgently. Darlene is talking to Cisco in the restaurant saying they need to wipe down Cisco's place and leave very quickly. Um, Cisco says he can't. So again, he's the one holding her back from doing what the smart move is here. It's almost starting That's to feel... That's not the smart move, though. They're at... The FBI is at his apartment. Yeah, but getting out of that restaurant ASAP yeah. would have maybe saved somebody's life. So, I mean, it, it almost... It was over. It was over when they went to the hospital. But I still believe that if they would have went along with how Darlene originally would have saw this thing. Although they might have still... They would have, They might have still been in the apartment at that point. And then got caught by the FBI? Yeah, you think if they drove up and saw a bunch of cars there, though, they would probably just keep going? Now, at this point, (laughs) but I'm saying if they would have dealt with it, like, if they would have let the guy die, yeah, then they would have had... I guess they would have got rid of him the same way, paid off the guy, and uh, burned him up. Yeah, possibly. So they might have come back to the the apartment with the cops in front of it in in that sense, but... It's just that the feeling that I got here is either that Cisco is intentionally doing the wrong thing or he's just really dumb. Hmm. Um, but she says the DA doesn't own them and that playing by the rules got Trenton Mobley in trouble. So she is 
not liking all of his let's trust in mm-hmm. the DA either because they know what they're doing or because we could get hurt by them if we don't, which actually, ironically, <laughs> playing by the rules does get them hurt eventually. Mm-hmm. So, Like Ned Stark. Yeah. <laughs> then we go back over to the hospital where Dom has come already. She's moving through this train of clues very quickly. She starts to question the nurse. The nurse says that they waited for the friend for an hour and then they left. Uh, to which Santiago says they won't come back. They're probably hiding. Might take time, but they will find them. So mm-hmm. this is another one of those. Is he purposely being dumb? Is he right. manipulating things? Doesn't seem like that's the smart idea. And then we finally go to the subway, where we see Angie, dressed in black and white again, with her hair pulled back. And Elliot comes on to join her. I got your messages. Sorry it took so long to get here. Why did you start Ebb Society? This was one of those fun things where Elliot's on the left side of the screen and Angie's on the right mm-hmm. as they cut back and forth between them. Yeah, I, so I watched a really cool video about quadrants and how they're setting up uh, the quadrant framing in Mr. Robot and how it evokes emotion. And if mm-hmm. you want to check it out, it's on YouTube. It's just called Mr. Robot colon quadrant framing by James Hayes. And uh, the actual title of the YouTube account is Film in the Making. So, but it was very cool how they broke down how it evokes emotion for where they're putting Mr. Robot in the lower corners all the time. And they do it with almost everyone in the show. You, when you're seeing it talked about and then they're showing all of these frames back to back to back yep. of him, someone always being in the lower corner. It's really interesting. Yeah, and especially seeing that contrast of like Elliot on the left, Angie on the right. So she asks why he started F Society. This is a really critical question. I I know what you did and why haven't you told me? And he says he didn't want to involve her. He's sort of struggling with his response. Mm -hmm. And um, one person said that he thought that like he was on to her in a sense that she was trying to set him up in a way. I read that in one article that she thought that he that he was looking around because he thought that she was trying to set him up to admit to more of the F society thing. I didn't really agree with that, but it was something that was put out there. I thought he was just uncomfortable because he didn't know that she knew all of this yet. And he didn't know how to answer that because he really doesn't have a good answer at this point. Um, so this is when she tells him that the FBI agent came to her place and basically not telling me didn't stop me from (laughs) getting pulled into it and being involved. Um, we keep cutting back and forth. You see the restaurant where, again, Cisco is saying, let's sit and chill for a minute. Yeah. Sometimes the best decision is not making one. He is literally continuing to pull her back into this situation that's going to bring so much trouble. But they don't know anything about what's going on, like Dom finds out in the next scene, or deduces finally. They don't know that they've been made. If they would knew 
If they were watching the news anywhere and saw it, they wouldn't be staying there. Well, <clears throat> we have to believe when we get to this later that this was the Dark Army. Right. And so it's entirely possible that they might have told Cisco. We saw them communicating to him before, telling him, is Darlene with you? Keep her where she is. Get the information. Right. I mean, they could have told him, keep her there. We have something going on. And then he just winds up getting ca- caught in the cross hairs that he didn't know they were coming to shoot them all you up, know, I obviously. I think that I once, mean, obvi- from the, once you're known, like, if we assume that all the people attacking with the guns now is Dark Army and they're shooting themselves, once you're made, you're, take, you're, you're to be taken out. Oh, That's yeah, the I know. I so, don't think Cisco knows they're made. Right. What I'm saying is the bringing her to the restaurant right. and holding her in place could have been a dark army plan. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. Um, and so he's been going along with that, not knowing that he's actually going to get killed oh, in that I moment. See what you're so okay. he's purposely holding her back saying, That's smart. I like stay that. here. Um, so yeah, we go back to the hospital where Dom is staring at the TV and you can see her putting things together. Um, she's wondering why it took the nurse so long to call it in. And the nurse says, well, it probably was because that this woman, Janice, turns on the news when her shift starts. So that's when we started seeing it. Dom is smart. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Here's where she figures they didn't actually see the TV. It wouldn't have been on at that point. So they're either coming back or they haven't gone too far. I just can't believe, like, I can't believe that Santiago is just thinking that they already know they've been made. It it hasn't been out for that long. So it, it, again makes me think that there's something up with him and that he's compromised. Yeah. Well, either that or everybody else is dumb and Dom is smart, which right. they have been leaning you to believe, but yeah. it's starting to become a stretch. I mean, yeah. it wasn't that hard to put together what she did here. It wasn't like crazy detective work. Well, we are. I mean, also, we already knew sure. what was going on, so we're just waiting for her to get there. Definitely, and I feel like it, the next part is where it gets even more difficult. I mean, you can say they got to be close by, but now this is a tough task to ask, actually find them. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the subway first, where Angie says she has already called her lawyer and is on her way to meet her, in fact. And she says, we can't beat them and it won't go away. We will always lose to them. I was a little taken aback by this. Right. All of Angie's, I'm going to take them down from within, my affirmations, my this, my I that. I agree. This is totally against what she's been doing. I'm this, uh, done. This yeah. E-Corp is just too big. I went to this freaking regulatory commission, got the shit scared out of me, realized right. that I can't get one over on them. And so now she's not even going to work with Elliot and F Society. She's just going to go turn herself in, say she planted the femme to sell, and she won't tell them about yeah, anything she's, else. She's giving up on this. Well, right at this point, she feels that she's getting paranoid. Because yeah. she goes to the regulatory agency and realizes that they're working for with or for or the people that she she's realizes. trying mm-hmm. to. Or that's what she thinks she realizes. Mm-hmm. And then she even accuses Dom of working with them. Oh, she's definitely... So she's freaking out. Conspiracy hard. level. Lost her cool. <clears throat> but her it happened so quick. Yeah, way too quick. I did not expect this to come out of Angela when this, this when quick. we first started. Last the episode, scene. Yeah. she was talking shit to her. Uh, yeah, to it that guy, the plumber, yeah. old man. Scripted in for plot here, like right. we needed her to turn. But I wish we would have seen that happen a little slower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she was like ice queen, and now she's done altogether. And the fact that she even. 
isn't going to maybe go to Elliot and say, because she has to figure, even if she doesn't give them up, this is going to be dangerous for them one right. way or the other. There's no way she can get away with not giving any info yeah. that would why? lead them. Yeah, I set up the fem, fem to sell. Okay, why? I don't and know. then it's blown. Who and else told you to do it? I blown. don't know. Yeah. How did you learn how to hack? I don't know. Yeah, like, what exactly. was the plan here? Well, my my whole thing is that I like I wouldn't have normally believed it until because everything was going as planned. But my whole thing with her, she had two encounters with Dom that shook her to the core. Yeah. And every single time, Dom got down to the deepest part of her soul. Whatever you're doing, this isn't really you. Right. Then it's like, yo, I had people been following you. We've been you all this information. And it's all you. Like, Dom walked into her house, no I don't cuffs. buy that, it's- Jamal, because I'm sorry. Angie can deal with Mr. Price, one of the most powerful people in the world, trying to fuck with her, turning these guys in and essentially ruining their lives. She sees the TV guy kill himself on screen and is, like, back to work in five minutes. She mm-hmm. deals with all that and Dom rocks her world? Right. Well, no, it's only because now this is another woman who is the real deal, who really is confident in herself. And I think she's going to get caught. Like, this, all of this stuff is way over. What these people are doing is just manipulating her. This guy, Cobley, came into her house and offered her a job. Right. This guy, this, these guys are... <laughs> he dared gi- her. Dared it, her to try from the inside. Yeah, but they no, they're giving her confidence. All the things she's ever wanted, they're giving her confidence. They said, yeah, go back out, be just as cold as me. Somebody, somebody just killed themselves. I want you to go back out. They're giving her confidence, which is something that she never had in the beginning of this thing. She didn't want Elliot to save her. And I always go back to them sitting at that table when she didn't want Elliot to save her. Like, she'd rather look dumb than have some guy come in and save her. So every time they came to her, which was the most ridiculous thing, that the people who killed your par- your, your mom, you're going to take a job from them. And then... When somebody approaches you and calls you out on your shit, you're going to talk about you're a plumber and this is how much money I make. So it's all about confidence for her. And this is what all these men are given. Dom is saying the confidence that they're giving you and the person that it's turning you into is not real. Whatever this is, it's not you. Yeah, and I- then. I feel like the man that she's been sleeping with or the people that she's put her on to, like Dom walked up right in there and Dom's a woman. Dom has to deal with a bunch of men who are idiots and she's smart, but Dom's the real deal. Dom's herself. Dom is awkward. And I think that's what's really shaking her, that another woman's coming in there. Like she spoke to Darlene about that. You guys always thought you were smarter than me. So I I always feel like it's more of her insecurities that are her downfall. And I think that Dom's been able to play on that. Dom walked in. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're going to get caught. We got you. We don't got Darlene. They didn't mention Darlene. They didn't mention Elliot. We got you. You're the one who who's going to bring this whole thing down. I like think that- they, you know, they got away with murder, but you're the one who we were following. You know, that's what I think. It I think that Dom could have been a part of that. I think that definitely Angie has been manipulated from the very beginning. She thought she had power. She thought she was almost like playing a game and building herself up this whole time, not realizing it was other people manipulating her behind the scenes. 
I think she did get a legitimate scare at the regulatory place. I think the Dom scared her a little bit. But I really think the big thing has been her two friends, Darlene and Elliot, and finding out that they've been keeping stuff from her. And they, even to a certain extent, maybe have been manipulating her for their own means. And when she finally comes to Elliot, the person that I think she really hoped would be there to help her out and finds out that he started F Society and never told her about that, that's really like the straw that breaks it. I think she was going on to that subway meeting almost hoping that Elliot would talk her out of this and come up with this plan that was going to get them to safety, and he didn't. And so that's when she kind of decides she's going to bail on it because she doesn't know what else to do. And... We see even Elliot saying now, how can I protect the ones I love when every step I take puts them in greater danger? I hid in my cage while everyone else took all the risk. And so he's recognizing what Angie is going through in that moment. And Angie reminds him of the time she found him at the Queen's Museum a while back, pacing and yelling at someone no one else could see. And she had said to him at the time, was it your father or someone else? So that is a key line to go along with what we were saying. I don't want to talk about that too much because we really already went over it. Could there be somebody else that Mm -hmm. people like Darlene and Angie are aware of, another personality? He says he doesn't even remember that, which is key. And she says, whatever he is, you can't work with him. Don't trick yourself into thinking that. So she understands that this is not healthy for him. Alternately, on the street, you have Dom walking along looking for Darlene and Cisco. The electricity is flickering behind her. And the last two scenes, the one on the subway where Angie tells Elliot to get out of here, he thinks aloud to us, of course, that he doesn't want to leave her. They hug, and after a long moment, they kiss. Mm. It finally happens, which I think should have been a big deal for Elliot, except it really almost feels like a goodbye kiss, something that they've been wanting to do forever, but it is not at all the beginning of something. Um, Angie almost looks longingly like she wishes it could be in another world. This should have happened, but right now they're going two completely different ways and he leaves. And this is when we cut to the two people standing in front of her who we only see the backs of them. It's a man and a woman clearly sinister from the theme, the tone that they're giving us. And in fact, a writer on Reddit said that Angie has had the same two people in her background in multiple scenes, Mm -hmm. um, maybe even a couple of episodes so yeah, I guess the I big question, also. is it FBI or Dark Army? I think it's FBI. Mm-hmm. Um, that Didn't Dom said that she'd been, had a tail on her? Yeah. And um, so they've been following her around. I agree. If um, it's that route, it's going to be um, them slowly finding out who Elliot is if they saw Elliot on there. Right. Yep. Yeah. If it's the other route, it might be the Dark Army. They're not going to kill her. Because uh, Elliot is such a big deal of phase two, they're going to take her, her and it's going to be um, the rest of the people that are missing in F Society. And uh, that's going to be the next storyline in season three. They're probably. all being held somewhere. Yeah. Maybe or even maybe, Tyrell. Maybe they are FBI, but compromised by the dark army. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Well, I think yet again, they're doing this thing where you get really nervous, like the knocks on the door. It turns out to not be much. We're left here wondering, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to Angie? Like you said, I don't think she's in any mortal peril. And in fact, I don't even think Darlene I didn't know is. about that. I was actually worried that uh, Mr. Robot or Elliot was going to have to take care of Angela because she was going to blow this whole thing up. 
it was a fear that I had during it. I didn't think yeah. that they could do that in it, but I was like, what is he going to do? He's got to shut Angela up. He can't have her going to the FBI with this information. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he just let her go. Yeah. Well, yeah, he walked away from her. Robot was clearly not there in that moment, no. or that wouldn't have happened. Um So finally, our last scene, Dom finds the restaurant. She calls her back up first. She is a woman that plays by the rules. And then she goes in. There are two people on the street, pull up on the motorcycle, dressed in all black with helmets, which is why I think it wasn't the DA on the subway, because they don't look anything like this. No, right. Um, And as they pull up, you begin to hear sirens in the distance. So the first man gets off the bike with a gun, shoots through the glass. Dom shoots back at him and hits him. We don't exactly see who, if anyone, is hit behind the glass. Um, the other man on the motorcycle pulls off, and at this point, the cops pull up, and the first man shoots himself in the head, and Dom runs out with something red on her face. Really poor execution by the Blood driver of the motorcycle, because he pulls all the way across to going the wrong way <laughs> Okay, on that road. Why didn't he just pull up right in front, and the guy... Takes a step off, gets off, shoots, shoots up the place, and then yeah. gets right back on and is gone. Yeah, he kind of took took his time and like right. stood in front of the window. Uh, a plus J two o one five said, "I know I should be rewatched. I should have rewatched Elliot's apartment scene, but I too rewatched and rewatched the end. Anyone else notice that the crosswalk signal counted down to the moment the shots were fired, and oh, that like Dom that. ducked before the shooter even raised the gun? Just a thought. But the shooter was all in black." So was the gun. They were, they were close to the window, but not right against it. Dom was pretty angry right before, but had the sense to see the shooter outside the window at night and manages to shoot the shooter in the leg like the last time. Could be nothing but just an obs- observation. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, it's bright in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right. It's dark outside. The guy's in dark clothing, mm-hmm. dark gun. How could she have seen that? She's screaming at right. these guys. Because when you're in light, and when you're you inside in the see. light, yeah. and you look at something outside that's dark, you're just seeing a reflection. Yeah. You're not Unless seeing you're the right outside. Up against yeah. the window. Exactly. So I didn't rewatch, but I didn't think Dom shot until after he shot first. Yeah, no, no, he shot. They all ducked at, at that point. And Everyone then she ducked, shot back. and then she pops up. So I after think she that. was just shooting in the direction of where the shot came right. from. It yeah. was just lucky. She's just. But why was off. she the last one to get shot? It looked like they the. Uh, Dom and Cisco got shot first. We don't uh, know I mean, that uh, they got Dom, shot. Uh, Dar- Did you watch? Have you seen the? There's the ketchup bottles in the front of the frame. Right. Ketchup well, and mustard. Yeah, but it definitely looks like Cisco's head blows up. Oh, I am of the <laughs> opinion, just personally, that I think Cisco got shot, but yeah. Darlene is okay. I think Darlene is fine. Also. But somebody also said it could all just be a misdirection again because when you freeze frame and close it on it, there's ketchup and mustard bottles in the right. front, and in addition to a spray of red, you see a spray of yellow. I uh, think so. it was the um, his name being the same as Elliot's girlfriend, which right. is something we were talking about at work, was the sign or the symbol. That it was him. That, that it was him because... You know, Elliot lost his girlfriend the same way. We've always seen that. And now he has the name of the actress who played the girl. So, And his story was coming to a close. I think it Stay only makes top. sense. <laughs> well, we want to extend the question to you listeners. Who do you think got shot? Do you think they're um, both dead? Do you think one's dead, one's injured? Tell us your thoughts at Coffee Clatch or at CKC Podcast on 
Twitter or email us. Contact at coffeeclassicode.com. Okay, this has been an extremely long episode. Extremely Do you long. want to get into our robot rating real quick? Yes, real quick. I'm going to give it an 8.5. We've Ooh, gone over for That's way down for you. Yes. I you didn't like it, it? I liked it, but uh, it wasn't the best. It okay. was great. It was amazing. It was awesome. Okay. But that's the way down, though. I mean, from where you were. Still awesome, though. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a 9.2, which is definitely down. I think I was at a 9.6 last time, but mm-hmm. the time before that, a 9.4, 9.32. It's in that general area. Definitely so liking the second half more right. than the first I'm half. I'm appreciating the second half a lot more. This was one of my least favorite for the second half yeah. mm-hmm. because of all the bouncing around and feeling like the cliffhangers weren't exactly paying off the way I hoped they would. Um, somebody quoted from the critical consensus hidden process is an often frustrating episode of mr robot but also a deeply revealing one in terms of representing the most important themes and concepts of the entire series in case you missed the fact that season two has been slowly morphing into an expertly paced paranoid thriller this announces that shift loud and clear hmm. so again imdb gave it a 9.6 and it was at 100 percent on rotten tomatoes but that was very shortly after uh i I mean, I enjoyed it, but not as much as some of the other episodes so far, so I'm going to probably give it a nine, I guess. I really didn't like being manipulated, (laughs) uh, so I could probably go even lower than that, but um, just the ending was enough where, is it Darlene? Can they actually kill her? You know, a lot of questions got raised up, so I liked it. Jamal, rating? Uh, Loved it. Um, but I'm a little biased that, you know, like Ryan, I, I like it for the reason he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) The manipulation I thought was so overtly obvious. I loved everything about it, man. And especially talking to people after with all the hidden things that are there, but it's right in plain sight. And then all of a sudden, oh, look at this guys. You know, so what's your number? What? What's your number? 9.7. Oh, that's really up there. Yeah, awesome. it, it was really tying in everything. Like, the scene at the end really got it for me. I admit I, I rated a little low. I'm just going. No, I don't blame you. I can totally see that. Let's move on to Clatcher's comments. I want to big, give a big shout-out to Mojam and Philly Nuts for giving us really amazing reviews on the Mr. Robot channel and for Aratel for the best telly analysis quoted from her review on the coffee clutch crew podcast channel love it and squirrely girl 27 for your five-star review on our coffee clutch crew channel and really kind words we love it you know we love it we'll just repeat it we love it we love it please keep giving it to us we rate and review us on itunes please thank you Okay, and thank you to Vicky who wrote in to us. She asked why when Angie is transferring the files over to the USB, one of the file names says Evil Corp Press WT. Uh, what does it mean that she is seeing it this way since we thought only Elliot was the one that viewed it as Evil Corp? Hmm. And everybody else should really be seeing it as E Corp. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to season one, Elliot talks about... Um, I think about the really bad people, E-Corp, the largest conglomerate in the world. They're so big, they're literally everywhere. A perfect monster of modern society. The E might as well stand for evil. In fact, after a thorough, intensive self-reprogramming, that's all my mind hears, sees, or reads when they pop up in my world. Evil Corp. 
So it's kind of confusing that this is all taking place just because of his reprogramming, and it doesn't seem like he shared that with other people. When Elliot's in a scene, it makes sense that we're seeing it through his eyes, but he was mm-hmm. not in this scene. Um, in fact, there was an interview with Sam Esmail where they asked him why people not in Elliot's scenes say the same thing. And he said he just didn't care and named it that because he called it so much. So, I agree, but I mean, yeah. <coughs> Darlene lost her father to them also, and Angela lost her mother to it. So if when they're kids they just started calling it Evil Corp for that long, it's just going to catch on. But I mean, I agree with she shouldn't be seeing it like that. She should still... C based in reality, but and that's a file name that she's pulling right. up. So why would somebody else have named it that? Right. Wow. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. But the fact that Esmail is saying don't think too hard about it, I mm-hmm. guess, is supposed to lead us to know this is not one of those things we look too far into. But I don't know. We'll have to keep pondering that. Um, thank you to Scott for his correction on some of our tech information and. Also for the fact that he listens to us for our fun conversations and theories. I love people that love our theories. Uh, Krusty Crap Ninja says the letter that Elliot got while he or was supposed to get while he's in prison is scratching part of his mind. There has to be a hidden message in there somewhere. And also what's going to happen with this upcoming message that White Rose is supposedly sending which I don't even know what that's about or the right. direction that he's going to get, but I'm very interested. I mean, how much time has really passed since he got out of prison? No idea. A day? I mean, he goes from... Uh, he goes, and then they get picked up, and then they go back to Cisco's, right? Right after he Darlene picks him up? No, they go to the mother's, and then they go to Cisco's. Well, Darlene? says it's been like three weeks that Trent and Mobley have been missing. Right, but that's not since he got out. He got out, she picked him up, and then they did that little they were trying to lose a tail type paranoia thing, and then they mm-hmm. go to the mother and talk to her. And then I feel like after that, they they just went to Cisco's uh, to talk about shit, and then they're trying to figure stuff out, and then they spend the whole day, oh, then they go do the... Uh, ha- read the Dark Army. Uh, they're trying to talk to him. I really feel like it's only been like I a day like or two. I feel like it's hard to tell, I really feel like it's only been a day or two. Like, Elliot hasn't been to sleep since he's gotten out of prison. Because immediately when he goes home to get some rest, he's picked up by Joanna. Yeah, but I don't think Esmail is really concerned with giving us an timeline? accurate timeline. So, And I Elliot's mean, the unreliable narrator. I don't think you can follow that no. very effectively at all. Um, but yeah, we eagerly await some information on that. Um, Mojam also asked, is Mr. Robot gaslighting Elliot? And tvguide.com said, are the glitches between Elliot and Mr. Robot really outside of either of their control? And this was a link that Mojam gave us to this, um, article where we can read a little bit more about if it is robot trying to take advantage. And so hopefully we have talked a little bit about that already Mm -hmm. and given you that info. As far as what we think. Well, I felt I felt like that. Although this other theory about there being a third kind of puts a new spin on it. If there's another alternate, so but yeah, I'm still on the. I'm still sure that Mr. Robot is hiding. Yeah, his process. Thank you to <laughs> James, Emmy, and Wade who wrote into us. Also, hopefully, we've talked about those comments a little bit. 
And we already gave our shout outs to Phil and Lewis. Thank you for all the information, the kind words, and we really appreciate you guys writing in and staying involved with the podcast. One last Twitter comment. Ken on Twitter wrote to us and said, Darlene never says she's his sister. He finishes the sentence for her. Oh, hmm. that's true. That would, that our whole narrative would change mm-hmm. if, that were, if he wasn't his sister. So I don't know. I it's mean, like, that's did you, that, she just says, did you forget? Yeah. So that's she right. could have been referencing something else entirely. Yeah. It's something to think about. We, we can't really, uh, go long on that because we are very long <laughs> right now but right. keep that in mind ken thank you for that that's genius that's i'm just gonna let that just fucking mix yeah. in my brain we'll think and about that and come back to it meant it even more <laughs> we look forward to seeing you next week when we will review episode 11 python part one we think we have found the definitive answer that the episode 11 and 12 python part one and two while it sounded similar to the way they would have done episode one will actually be split over two weeks. So it is a two-part finale. We will get the first part next week. And we got a little preview of Angie being taken away in the back of a van. Dom saying that this is no longer just a terrorism attack. It's an act of war. And a lot of generals sneaking around and seeming to uh, have some anxiety-provoking moments. So we look forward to reviewing that episode. Beautiful. Please keep in mind that we need you guys to help us. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at CKC Podcast, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Rate and review. We love you guys. Until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.